Okay. Okay, good evening, everyone. Tonight, Sheer on Parshas Matois has been um, dedicated for Shalema for Sveta Bas Esther. May she have a complete and total, total, total refua very, very quickly. It has also been dedicated in honor of Zeldi, Zeldi Nemenov's birthday. May she have a shnaz brachanatzlacha, a really good and prosperous year with much, much bracha, and a lot of good things should happen this year. In the revealed way. Okay, uh, this week, this week, we're learning. Uh, the mimer is a cholzu meitchem. Of course, the mimer is going to be a schus hagana, a schus of protection for the Jewish soldiers, as the mimer deals with going to war. This week in the parsha, the Torah tells us that the Jewish people are to go and um, go and fight against the Midianites, take the vengeance of Hashem in Midian. And the opening of the verse is, um, You should send from yourselves troops. You should arm yourselves. Uh, troop for yourselves troops. Uh, if I get a fancy English chumish, I can actually... English. Let's try this. The pasuk hecholtu meitchem over here. Um, give me a minute. One second. Vadaber Hashem al Moshe leimar. Hashem spoke to Moshe, saying, "This is in chapter thirty-one and Bamidbar Nekoyim Nikmas bnei Yisrael. Take the vengeance. Um, take revenge against the Midianites." For the children of Israel, from the Midianites, and after that, you will be gathered to your people. After that, you will be gathered to your people. Moshe spoke to the people, saying, From amongst yourselves, get men armed and ready for combat against Midian. Isn't that amazing that we're learning this tonight? Arm yourself from amongst yourselves uh, against Midian. Anoshim Latsava, men for the army. Viyiyu al Midian, and they should be upon Midian. Lasseis Nikmas Hashem, to give the vengeance of God by Midian and Midian. Now, the mimer we're going to learn tonight on these Pesukim is a very special mimer. There are a few thousand discourses of the Alter Rebbe. Uh, we've been learning them for the last 10 years. We've covered quite a lot of them. Um, two over 2,000 Maimarim of the Alter Rebbe. This Maimar is special. 
This Marmar the Alter Rebbe repeated many times. As opposed to the other Marmar, he said them once. Some of them he repeated twice. This Marmar the Alter Rebbe would say every few years, he would say this Marmar. And the reason he would say it was for purification of the air. With this Marmar, the Alter Rebbe would purify the world. Every few years, the world needed a cleansing, and the Alter Rebbe would say this Marmar. It was known that all the Chabad Rabbeim, had every Rebbe had a special mimer that they would repeat from time to time again and again. Um, and the purpose was, as the previous Rebbe says that, the purpose was for the, for the purification of the world, to purify the air. This one, Heicholtzu, was the Alter Rebbe's purif- purifier. This is with what he purified the world from time to time. Uh, it's interesting, we didn't learn it in earlier years. And I think I tried looking at it a few times and I found it too difficult uh, to learn. And this time I learned it and it was somehow it was a little clearer. Maybe, maybe the time has come to, to learn it. That's why. Okay. He brings over here. He brings over here. This is, this is written in the Hayoim Yoim. It's one of the Hayoim Yoims. Fachav Ches Tamuz. We're going to say this Hayom Yom next week. One of the little daily little snippets. He says, to every single one of our Rebbes, there were set discourses that were intentionally specified for this purpose, to purify the ear of the world. Once every two or three years. That's, that's how long it takes the world to get repolluted again. So every two to three years, they would say the mimer, not only would they say it privately, they would say it publicly. One of the mamarim of the Altar Rebbe, it doesn't seem it was the only one, but this is one of the mamarim of the Altar Rebbe. They in Lakuti Torah without the footnotes of the Tzemach because he added that in. But the Altar Rebbe said that. That's what it says in Ayoyim Yoyim. Now, Many years after the Alter Rebbe said this mimer, this mimer, as we said, it was repeated many years. However, it is printed in Tav Kuf Samach Vav. Mamari Admar and there's another version of the mimer in the year Tav Kuf Samach Vav, um, which is 200 and, um, 200 and about eight years ago. That's when the mimer is printed for the first time. I don't know if the Alter Rebbe said it then the first time, and then after that he said it every few years, and there wouldn't be too much left of his life because he passed away in Ayin, in Ayin Gimel. Um, or for some reason it was recorded then and written in the year Tafkuf Samach Vav. I'm not exactly sure. Um, many years later, in the year Tafresh Nun Tes, which is almost 100 years later, 94 years later, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, um, right after Simchas Torah, said the Maimer Hecholzo. Same Maimer, beginning with the same, with the same heading. And over there, he, he elaborates on the concepts of this Maimer in a very, very, very elaborate version. Um, it's worth learning it. It's printed separately in, men, in books. And it's a, it was told to be learnt, particularly. Uh, it's a very special mimer. And it deals with something that is related to the time that we're in right now, particularly. It's during the three weeks. And during the three weeks, we need to make a rectification 
for what brought about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And we know that the second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of baseless hatred, what's called Sinas Chinam, people not getting along with each other. And the Mimer is going to deal with the concept of Sinas Chinam, of hatred, baseless hatred. And it's going to explain that that is the evil of the Midianites. The evil of the Midianites is the evil of Sinas Chinam, baseless hatred. It's where one cannot tolerate another person just because they exist. And sometimes, as we're going to see, people make excuses why they dislike someone. They dislike the other person because of this, because of that, because of pum. But really, in essence, the root of it is just because they cannot stand another human being. Especially someone who, who is in any way a competition to them. Someone who they feel is a threat to, their, to who they are. They get very, very... I mean, something like this. A scholar won't mind a simple person. The, the scholar will, will, is okay. He, he might get along very well with the simple people. He'll cherish them. They'll love him. He'll love them. They'll hang out together. But he'll be intolerant of another scholar. He can't stand him. And it bothers him. And he, can't, and he finds fault in the person and everything he sees in that person. He says, he's this, he's that. And the reason for that is now, he might argue and fool himself and think the reason why he loves simple people is because he's humble and he also feels himself as a simple person. I don't, know, I don't hang out with the elite. The person will say, I don't hang out with the elite, I hang out with the simple people, because I'm also simple. And the Rebbe Shab says that it's really, really completely not true. He doesn't hang out with the elite because he can't stand them because they're a competition to him. They're like threatening him. The very fact that they are and there's someone else who might, you know, who, who, who knows how to learn, and he's not the only guy that knows how to learn, that feels, that, that, that minimizes his space, his or her space, because someone else has that. So that's, and they, and they think it's because of whatever reason. But the root of it is baseless hatred, and as he's going to explain, baseless hatred comes from a over, a over, a overly um, sense of self. It over, it's, a, it's an inflation of self, self-importance. When a person feels themselves very much, they're lacking bittle, they're lacking nullification, then other people stand in their in the, uh, occupy space. It's, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough klipa. It's a tough klipa because we naturally have it, and you have to work hard to bring in the bittle into yourself to counter that klipa. That's the root of baseless hatred. It has nothing to do with the other person. It's because your own self-importance, you're so into yourself and into your I am and I'm a somebody and I, you want and, and, and you're, 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 you're very into pampering and acknowledging and, and then, then displaying yourself that when the attention goes to someone else, that minimizes you and you can't stand it. And that's the root of sin aschinam. And he's going to explain that that was the evil of Midian. Midian means strife. Midian means medan, fighting. Um, that's the root of all evil. And it's something that is so hard to uproot, as the Altareb is going to explain in the Mimer, that um, we're in exile now for over 1900 years because of the tikkun of Sinas Chinam. In the first place of Migdash, the people violated much bigger, much bigger, they transgressed much greater transgressions. They had much greater sins. They had the three cardinal sins. They were murderers. People were immoral in many ways. They served idols. Yet they were able to clean it all up. 
in, in, in 70 years, they had a tikkun for the whole thing. And today's days, we're already 1900 years and we're not done with the gullus. And as the Rebbe Rashab writes, and the, free, the, the Alter Rebbe touches upon it, but the Rebbe Rashab in his Maimarei Cholzu says that take a look at our communities. People are full of this. He says, go into a shul. Whenever there is any constructive thing that people get together to do, and you start and you say, you know what, let's make this project, let's do this. One guy says so, and the other guy argues. And why is he arguing? Not because he's so, you know, thought that the other thing is right. It's just because he can't stand that the other guy said so and the other guy get a, gave good advice on how to run something. He has to say the opposite. Why? Just because the other said like that. There's nothing true there. There's nothing real. It's just because he can't stand that the other is going to get the credit. The other one is going to be the... And he says that's happening in all Jewish communities. He says that's simple baseless hatred. And we still haven't gotten learned how to, how to come together in achdos, in unity, and, and, and in oneness amongst the Jewish people. Um, may Hashem help that, you know, hopefully there has been a, a show of achdos and kir in Israel, uh, a union, unity amongst the Jewish people after the, the horrific murder of the, of the, of the three uh, uh, special boys. And uh, let's hope that they needed to show this achdos and we can get rid of Midian. For some reason, it's very possible that this war against this whole, this whole war now, being that it's coming out in this time, might be the descendants of the Midianites. For some reason, they stand against having peace in the world, having a unity in the world. Everything is in regards to, as they come in the, they're coming in the, in, the, in the guise of peace, but it's really a, 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 to keep this contention or, uh, within, the, within the world. Okay, let's read inside. Hey, Holtz, I'm gonna leave the rest for all the big politicians to figure it all out, but we're just gonna learn what the Mimer says. Hey, Holtz, Umayyit says, arm from amongst yourselves. The Pasuk says, now, it, the Pasuk describes that there were 12,000 troops that went to war. A thousand from every tribe went to fight against Midian. They went to war, they decimated Midian. The Jewish people didn't even lose one soldier in this war. What was unique about this war was that Shevet Levi needed to join in this war. Generally, all wars, the Levites didn't participate. Um, because all, all wars, it's interesting, that it doesn't say it in this Mimer, but the Rebbe Roshab and the Yecholtz over there elaborates on this idea, that every war when the Jewish people fought, it was primarily because they went to take land. This was a war of conquest, the war of those days. They were fighting to conquer land. But Midian, the Jewish people didn't take their land. They didn't touch it. Um, the war against Midian was just to take revenge. It was to punish the Midianites, which, means, which shows you that, that Midian is a evil that's not allowed to exist in the world. It's similar to Amalek. It's something that needs to be eradicated just because. Not because we need to occupy its space, but because it itself shouldn't exist. And that is the reason why the Levites had to participate, Levi had to participate, which Shevet Levi did not participate in any other wars, because the wars that were involved in inheriting the land, since Shevet Levi did not have an achuzah, since Shevet Levi did not own any land, any real estate in Eretz Yisrael, um, of that's considered their own land, it was for that reason they didn't have to go to the battle. But since this was a vengeance for Hashem, this type of war was, was, um, was included Shevet Levi. Now, on a simple level, why was this war, why did, what, what kind of revenge were they coming to take? The Midianites joined the Moabites in, in causing the Jewish people to sin. 
when Bilam gave advice to Moab to, to get to send out the girls to entice the Jewish men. And Midian took, took, took part in it. And therefore, Hashem's, and, and many, 24,000 Jews died in a plague, and then 160,000 Jews were killed by the, by the Beisdin. So it was close to a, almost, uh, almost, uh, uh, almost 200,000 Jews, Nebuch, were killed during, because of this. So Hashem says, take revenge of Midian because of this. So, we need to understand the Hevelelemeimar, it should have said, Yecholtu, Yecholtu, they should arm themselves. Because it says, Yecholtu, Yecholtu me'itchem. Yecholtu means they should arm me'itchem from amongst you. Hecholtu means you should arm me'itchem from amongst you. Now, hecholtu is a lashon nifal, which means you are all becoming. It's a, if we're saying hecholtu to a group of people, it means all of you, implying all of you should, should arm yourselves. But then you say me'itchem from amongst you, then it doesn't fit to say hecholtu. Yecholtu me'itchem. It, they should arm from amongst you. A group should arm themselves from amongst you. Hey, Cholzu is implying all of you. Hey is, um, is a Lushan speaking directly, and you say to many, you say, you begin it with a hey. Ki hey, Cholzu, mashma kulchem, it means all of you. Fakivan shenemar, and since it says, me'itchem from amongst you, da'ayinim miktasam, only part of the group, elaf lamate, a thousand to each tribe, if so, have a Leila Meimer, therefore it should have said, Yecholtu, interesting. Just give me just a second. Who knows? Um... So hold on one second. Let me just go to the beginning over here. That in the in the mimer that the, in the middle Rebbe's version, in the middle Rebbe's version of the mimer, um, he he explains the question of apidiktuk a little better. I just I wanted to clarify this. If it would have said ye yechotsu meitam, I don't know. I thought he's, he's 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 really emphasizing the next question. Okay, the gam and then and then also mahu mahu. What does it mean? Oh, the gam and also mahu in nikma savaya b'midyon. Why does it say the vengeance of God? It should say nik. Oh, what's the question? Why is this the vengeance of Hashem? As if Midian did something to God. Midian didn't do anything against God. They weren't shooting arrows at God. They weren't like the see. There was once a war against God. Which war was against God? When the, when the uh, Dara Flaga, when the generation of the dispersion went and built the building, they went to fight against Hashem. So there it would make sense, take revenge for God. This was the people came to harm the Jewish people. So then for Trudeau said, take the vengeance of Israel. Like Hashem Taka says at the beginning, Hashem says, Nekoim Nikmas B'nei Yisrael, take the vengeance for the Jewish people. When Moshe, however, is speaking, Moshe says, Nikmas Hashem. 
the Nekama of Hashem. So why is he saying Nikmas Hashem? In what sense is it the revenge for God? Now you could argue, and you could say, simple, because those who start up with the Jewish people are starting up with God. So it's really Nikmas Hashem. That's also true. But since the Torah, but that's by every war. Since over here there's a specific emphasis that Nikmas Hashem is a sign that Midian is against God. They are the, they are the antithesis to Hashem in the world. The, the Gam, that's this question, what is the idea of Nikma Savaya in Midian? Gam, we also need to understand, it says that you should take a thousand per tribe, and it doesn't say, it should have said, Mikol Matois B'nai Yisrael, from all the tribes. The Pasuk says, Elef Lamata, Shnei Maser Elef, hold on, it should have said especially since it's saying that's what the middle of Rebbe is explaining since it says since it says um arm from amongst yourselves, it should have said, Mi kol matos, from amongst the tribes. If it would have said, Ye choltsu itam, this is what the how he explains it. If it would say, they should arm from amongst themselves, it would make sense, lichol matos, to all the tribes. Because you're speaking about them, third person. Ye choltsu, they should arm from amongst them to all the tribes of Israel, for all the tribes, they should take a thousand. But since it says, you're speaking directly to them, then it should say, from all your tribes, give us a thousand. Not is when you're speaking about them, not in third party, not to them. It should have said, Midyon, Numamish, Neget, Midian is an opposing force that stands in opposition to the name of God. Nikmas Havaya, the vengeance of God means there is a force in this world that is diametrically opposed to the Yudke Vavke, Tashem's name in the world. Particularly the Yudke Vavke. There is a force that is an, the, 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 the anti-Kedusha. Elachein, and we find something fascinating that Midian is an opposing force against God. It's the primary force in the world that stands against Hashem. We find that, that there was another time when the Jewish people dealt with Midian. And that is by, before the giving of the Torah. We had a story involving Midian. What's the story involving Midian? The first time we learn about Midian is that Moshe Rabbeinu ran away to Midian. After he left Mitzrayim, he went to Midian. And over there in Midian, he gets, that's where he gets married. And he marries the, do, the, the daughter of the chief priest, the Pope of Midian, the Galach of Galachim. The chief priest of Midian, Kohen Midian, is the, the, the great adolet, uh, idol worshiper, which is, which is Yisrael. Right before the Torah is given, when Moshe goes back, takes the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim, Yisrael comes to, to visit Moshe in the Midbar, and the Torah describes how Yisro makes a declaration to the entire world. Now I know that God is greater than all gods. <laughs> that Hashem is greater than all gods. 
And the Torah spends quite a bit of the parsha. Which parsha? The most important parsha. The parsha of the giving of the Torah begins with this great event that Yisroel is coming. Now it's special. Yisroel came to visit, and Moshe tells him the story, and Yisroel says, Baruch Hashem. And the fact that he's a non-Jew and someone who didn't believe in God, and now he says Baruch Hashem, I'm sure it was very nice, and it should have been written up in the newspaper in that time, you know, when you write community news, in the section of community news, so in the section, you know, they have LA News, Chicago News, Toronto News, you know, in these newspapers, whether it's uh, their Hamodia, the whatever newspapers there are, the Jewish press, you have different news from different, <laughs> from different communities, so there would be some news, a section, about the news of the Jewish people in the Midbar that Yisrael came to visit. Like it always has pictures from the, from the rabbis who come to visit. And, uh, and that's news. People who don't know what to do on Shabbos can read all about what happened um, in the various. So this could have been there. The Chumash itself has to speak about Yisrael coming and making a Haidah and he's admitting. So the Zohar says that had Yisrael not come and not said that statement, Baruch Hashem, Mikololokim, the Torah would not be able to be given in the world. Yisro, Yisro's admission paved the way for the giving of the Torah. There was an obstacle. Midian does not allow for Torah to be revealed in the world. Why? Because Torah is the revelation of Yudke Vavke. Through Torah, God becomes real in this world. And Midian is the opposition to Torah. And it's the opposition for the Yudke Vavke. So as long as Midian is there with all its rigidness and with all its opposition, it's blocking. There had to be a tear. There had to be a rip. There had to be a break in that wall of Midian. And that was the first time it was breached. That unholy world, the impurity of Midian. The first time that partition was breached was with Yisrael. When Yisrael came to Moshe and Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, At, and Moshe tells him what happened. And Yisrael says, Ato Now I know, At this moment, the klipa the, the parted. As we can say, the walls broke open. And the Yavai Melech covered, and Hashem can reveal himself in the world. It needed, it needed to be dafka with, with Yisrael. Why? Because the Pasuk emphasizes because he's Koyen Midian. He is the chief of Midian. He is the king of Klippa. And he needs to make his admission. To who did he make his admission? And through who? Who, who impacted him to do that? Moshe in particular. Came to visit the Jewish people. But he, he speaks to Moshe. And Moshe gets his father-in-law to make that admission. So we see that for some reason, Moshe is the one that has to cause this parting, this, this weakening of Midian. For that's the same reason we find over here that in the end of the 40 years, before Moshe Rabbeinu is going to leave this world, Moshe has to complete the job of what he has begun. Then he began by going to the highest, most powerful point of Midian, the king of there, of Avedazara of Midian. And he should make his admission of Atiyadaiti God Lavaya. Once Yisrael did it, then Hashem says to Moshe, it's interesting, this was the last task of Moshe Rabbeinu in this world. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, um, fight, it says today in the Chumash, the Pasuk says like this, Go take vengeance for the Jewish people from the Midianites. And after this, you will be gathered into your people. This is your last and final job. With this, you will complete your mission in the world. It says in the next Pasuk that the, that the Jewish people had to be forced to go to war. The Jews did not want to go to war. 
not because the Jewish people were afraid. If we read a little bit in the news, we found out that the soldiers were sitting on the border already the whole week, agitated, just wanted to go in. Soldiers have a job, and they need to do their job. They're ready to go. And today's Hashem should bench them and protect them. They were ready the whole week to go in. And, they, and, 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 and so the soldiers would have been willing to go. There's not a, it wasn't because they were afraid for their life or whatever it was. They knew God was with them. Everything was going to be fine. The reason they didn't want to go, Rashi says, is because they knew Moshe is going to die after the war. And they wanted to keep Moshe as live as, as long as they can. So they, did, they wanted to stay around and not go to war. So you see that this war, now why couldn't Moshe die before? I mean, Moshe, it came, it came Moshe's time to, Hashem said almost like, until this is not done, you can't die. Because no one can fight Midian but Moshe. It's the power of Moshe that is needed. And you see that. Moshe is the one who brings Yisro down to his feet. The, Moshe is the one who initiates it, getting Yisro, the Koyen Midian, to make his admission. And at the end of the 40 years, the culmination of his life, Hashem tells him to finish the job by completely eradicating all the leftovers of Midian. It's almost like Moshe knocked out the soul of Midian as soon as Yisro came and converted. That's when he took out their neshama, that's when he took out their energy. But there was still a body left over. There was still something, a power of Midian in the world, and that needed to be eradicated for the Jews to be able to enter Eretz Yisrael and for us to be able to establish a divine kingdom in this world and to have godliness manifesting in this world. Why? Because Midian is the antithesis to holiness. Why? And as we're going to learn, it's all inside the name. Midian means separation, fragmentation. Kedusha is all about unity and uniharmony and unification. The symbol of Kedusha is achdus. The symbol of Klippa is discord, separation. Nifrad, separation. And that's why Midian, which is the essence of fragmentation and strife and animosity and hatred and the in the the uh, that's why they needed to be erased. So that's what he's saying. Midian is mamish against the shame of And therefore, before the Torah was given. And therefore, before the Torah was given. No, you can have it open. Only you. For that reason, there needed to be no, there had to be a submission of the clip of Midian. Through Yisrael, who was the chief of, who was the the, 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 the the minister of Midian or the priest of Midian. He said, now I know that God is greater. Stated in Zoya. What's the reason for that? So he's going to explain how Torah is, a, is an expression of Havaya, of Yudke Vavke. And, that, and, and what's Havaya? Havaya is the ultimate unifier that unifies all of existence together. It keeps everything together because Havaya is the source of the, of the, of the, of, of the Abishter himself that is embedded in all of creation, all of existence. So right, left, east, west, up, down, um, kindness, severity, uh, all the opposites and all the contradictions that are in the universe are all emanating from the same source. And that's Havaya. 
So Avaya is the source of that, that unifies all of existence. The name of Elohim is the name that emphasizes the differences from one thing and the other. Elohim gives the individuality, the, specific, the specifics, the, the, the uniqueness of every creature and every being. Havaya enters into that multiplicity and into that, um, and into that pluralistic world, but unifies them all into, into a oneness. Right? And that's how the interplay between Havaya and Elohim. Elohim comes down to create individuals, separate entities. This is this and this is that. This is a stone and this is a star. Two separate things. And then Havaya wraps itself around everything and saying that this is all part of a magnificent creation created by one singular God that is the essence of everything. Okay? Torah, which is meant to reveal Havaya in Elohim, that's what Torah is, in the multiplicity of creation, through the Torah we bring harmony and unity in the whole world. That's why the essence of the Torah is peace. Torah comes to make peace in the world. The Rambam says, The Torah was not given to the world. The Torah was here to harmonize, to bring a sync, to synchronize all of creation and to unify everything together. And where do we find this also? When, I, when, 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 when the time the Torah was given, it says that the nations of the world got very, very, got, suddenly got terrified because the world was quaking and shaking and there were such sounds it looked like the whole world was going to come apart. And they came running to Bilam. And they said to Bilam, what's going on? Is God destroy, is destroying the world? Hashem la mabul yashav. Hashem has returned to bringing a mabul. Didn't God promise he's not going to bring a mabul? Looks like he's bringing a mabul. So Bilam answered them, no. Hashem oiz li'amo yitain. God is giving strength to his people. That's oz is Torah. Hashem is giving the Torah to the Jewish people. Hashem yivarech. Hashem is blessing as Amoy his people Bashalim with Shalom, with peace. Because Hashem is giving them the Torah, and the Torah comes to make peace in the world. So you see from here, to make peace in the world. Midian is the is, is the aspect, the anti-peace. And Midian wants to see everything fragmented, everything isolated, everything onto itself. And therefore, Midian does not allow Torah to be given until Yisrael caves in makes his admission, there's a breakage in the clip of Midian, then the Torah can enter the world. At the time of the giving of the Torah, they gathered together all the nations. And they thought it was a mabel. All of them, God said, set together. And they said, Hashem is giving strength to his people. Hashem Yevarech Es Amoy Bashalim. That Hashem is blessing his people with Shalom, which Torah is Shalom. Kamai Merazal, and as Chazal say, Sha'oisik Betaira, is a statement of Chazal, that if someone is Oisik Betaira, Mesim Shalom, he's making peace. We're in the upper abode, in the upper realms, Bepamalia Shalmaila, in the upper, in the upper Pamalia, in the upper spheres. And in the lower spheres, he's making peace above and peace below. And to understand base. So we see that what the Torah is associated with peace. Now, we need to understand what does it mean he makes peace in the upper realms and in the lower realms. So that implying that there is some kind of conflict. There's an inherent, inherent conflict in creation. 
both in the higher realms of creation and in the lower creation, there is an inherent conflict, and the study of Torah unifies and brings about a peace, a synchronization, a, 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 a harmony in creation. So what is this, the double, the double conflict, one above and one below, the Torah harmonizes? To understand these two levels of shalom that Torah has, we see another pasuk. The pasuk says, If they hold on, if the person takes hold, in my strength, what's called strength? What do Chazal say? Torah is called strength. If they take hold, in what is in strength? Shalom Yasali, peace he makes to me. Shalom Yasali, peace he makes to me. Shalom makes peace. But the Pasuk says, interesting, God is saying, you holding on to my Torah, you're making peace in me. But means it almost seems that God himself is conflicted. That God himself is conflicted. There is a conflict. Is the Abishter bipolar? Is there a conflict? Right? Is there two opposites in the Abishter? Yes, there is, as we're going to see. Yud Kevavke, two opposite, two polar opposites. But by learning Torah, it harmonizes these two polar opposites and unifies them together and brings them together. Why? We're going to see. Yud and He are total opposites, diametrically opposed. The Yud and the He. The Vav and the He are also two opposites. And in order to make Shalim, in order to keep all of existence in, 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 in the world's in existence, there has to be a peace between the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He. And he's going to explain the Yud and the He and the He above is called Pamalya Shalmaila, the higher abode, the higher realm. And the Vav and the He are called Pamalya Shalmata, the lower abode. The upper abode and the lower, both of them in God's name. The higher floor and the lower. We know in, 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 in Tanya, we just started learning in Geris in Tanya, the Chitas every day, we learned that there's two He's in Hashem's name. The lower He is called He Tata, the lower He, and the second He is called He Yilah, the higher. So Chachmem Bina, Yudke is way above Vavke. So that's called Pamalia Shalmaila, and that's called Pamalia Shalmata. And when we learn Torah, we bring harmony both in the Yud and in the He, that they get together. We cause Shalom bias. We cause peace in the couple. Yud is masculine, He is feminine. Shalom bias, peace in the family. And we cause peace in the Vavke also. This Shalom bias, this unification between the... the uh, the two, the two facets in, in existence. So let's see, to understand these two shalims. We need to understand. By the destruction of the first temple, the sages tell us, that Hashem was viter, Hashem was willing to I don't, know, I don't like the word look aside, but what was a good word for Viter? What? Concede, yeah, he, he was, in other words, the Jewish people sinned, and Hashem was willing to oversee, overlook. Hashem was willing to overlook it, and not, and not, um, not really, uh, but what Hashem didn't like was that they didn't study Torah in the first place. But what do you see from there? That there was terrible corruption going on amongst the Jewish people. What were the sins? Avodas Kachavim, people served idols. Gili Arayas, immoral activity. And Shvichas Damim, and murder. Veloi, spilling of blood. Veloi, Vitter al Bittel Torah. But I, what? Jewish people? Yeah, yes, there was murder going on. 
But Hashem did not overlook the, Hashem destroyed the base of Mignosh because of the, the, the lack of Torah study. Good. But that's the first base of Mignosh. They have these very, very terrible sins. And the second base of Mignosh, the second temple was destroyed only because of baseless hatred. People study Torah galore. Second base of Mignosh, the, the, the Mishnah. The Mishnah and all the big sages of the Mishnah, the Torah study was rampage. People studied like crate rampant. Um, the, the, okay. Uh, it was, it was, it was with, without an end. People studied Torah. It was tremendous. They didn't have the three sins much, even though it does say a little shvichas damim was in the end by the, by the low lives. So, but, but, but that was the result of the sin as chinam. The, the primary sin that the Jewish people were, 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 were guilty of was because they did not get along with each other. It was hatred. Like we know the story of Kamtza Bar Kamtza, of the Beis HaMiddish was destroyed. So you ask a simple question. Sinas Chinam is, is, is a bad character trait. It's a negative thing. You're not, you're not transgressing any sin if you're disliking someone. If the, if the hatred is only in your heart, okay, the Pasuk does say, do not hate your fellow in their heart, but the act of the sin, there's no real, there's no action to that. You can't transgress in a feeling. So the action of it is when you, when it leads you to be not nice to someone. For instance, if you're over on loisikain, if you're taking revenge, or loisiter, or you're bearing anger against, or whatever, different things, different activities that you do. The essential feeling of hatred, dislike to someone, is not an open violation. It's bad character traits. Now, in the first place of Mikdash, they did terrible sins. And yet, during the first space on Mikdash, and yet, during the first space on Mikdash, the Tikkun took 70 years. 70 years. The Golas was 70 years, and it implies that what? That after 70 years, we've done our, we did the crime, we did the time. Enough was enough. 70 years punishment. So we, got, we managed to rectify. And over here, it's already, in the time of the Alter Rebbe, over 1,700 years. And in our days, it's already over 1,900 years. And the duration of the Golas for a sin that seems to be far less than the sins that they did in the first place, Amigdosh. So how does that work? How is it today that we have such a long exile? The Beis Hamikdash is destroyed more than seventeen hundred years, and when the Mittal Rebbe repeats the Mimer, he says it's more than eighteen hundred years, because I guess the Mittal Rebbe, when he repeated the Mimer, it was already over eighteen hundred years, and the Rebbe Rishab, I don't know if it was already nineteen hundred years, maybe, but now it's already over nineteen hundred years, close to two thousand years, and we still haven't figured it out. The goal is Bavel, and gold is Bavel, the Babylonian exile. Which was because of very, very serious violations. And now, nevertheless, so Yerak Shivim Shana was only for 70 years. How can it be that a goddess that is for seemingly something so minor in compared to those big, big sins, and that there should be so much longer? That idea is as follows. He's going to explain that Sinas Chinam is not a, as explicitly evil and bad as all the other sins, but it is the core and the root for all klipa, of all unholiness. It's the essence, 
It's the essence of evil, it's not the expressed evil. The other Averis that a person does, killing, uh, immoral relationships and stuff like that, are far more expressions of manifest evil, but they're not so much the soul of evil. They're, they're a derivative of, of, of evil, of the essence of evil, of the neshama of evil. They're an expression of it, but not the essence. Sinas chinam is the essence of it. And therefore, it's, a, it's much harder. Another thing is, because it's not yet evil in its express state, but evil more in its potential state, we don't notice it as evil so much. And we're able to dismiss it and justify it. See, it's clear when a person goes and he's caught red-handed doing a terrible sin, what is he going to say? People like to excuse themselves and give excuses, but ultimately there's only so much how you can excuse. And you lift your hands and you said, you know what, I'm a sinner. You know what, I, I, I need help. I need to, get, I need, I need to fix my, my sin. I did something terrible. So it's easier to admit, to own up to it, and to thereby make a tikkun and say, I'm not doing it again. You know, you do your tikkun, whatever it needs, and then you're clean from it because you spit it out. But when you have something that is a subtle thing, it's an inner, inner, an inner, an inner uh, thing, and it's not that expressed, then, 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 then you cover it up. You don't realize it's, 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 it's ugliness. Because the ugliness is not yet... It's like when you have an infection. When the infection is in the inside, you don't see it on the outside. When it comes out as an ugly, ugly pus pimple, right? Uh, then you say, oh, yeah, you see it. When it's in the inside, it's in the inside. It's not noticed that much. But it's worse when it's in the inside. And that's the idea of sinas chinam. And that's the idea of the klipa of midyon. Midyon is the klipa of it. Okay. He's going to explain Inyan, He's going to explain why. He's a fascinating explanation of why Gullus Bavel was a Gullus for 70 years. Inyan, who the idea is, it has to do with the conquest of the land. The land was a land of seven nations. Seven nations lived in the land of Israel. And the Jewish people needed to conquer their land and make it the land of Israel. The seven nations who land, lived in the land of Israel all represented seven different types of evil. Because we know that the human, the human psyche is, is based on seven emotional character traits. Chesed, which is the power of love. Gevura, which is the power of discipline. Um, Teferes, compassion, and so on. Victory. So there are seven main emotional components in a human being. These emotions could be in a holy way. You could have a holy love. You can love God. It could be in an unholy way. You can have a love and an attraction towards things that are very ungodly and very immoral. You can have a holy sense of discipline. You discipline yourself in a godly way. Or a person can have a corrupt discipline in which they like to discipline everyone else and they like to um, oppress people. That's a form of gavura that's wrong. And then the same is with compassion. You can have compassion on that which deserves compassion, or you can have compassion on Hamas murderers, and 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 and, and, and scream that you know we're killing Hamas murderers, and you have compassion, and that is the biggest evil that there is, misplaced compassion. So you and, and so you can have so on. So you see that every emotion has a holy form, a, a pure form, a godly form, and an impure form. The seven nations in the land of Israel, each one personified another corrupted midah, another corrupted force of evil in the world. 
And that's why God said, I want you to conquer them. I want you to enter into those lands and conquer those negative emotions and turn them around and make them Kedushadik. How do you do that? To get rid of the inhabitants because these people are saturated with klipa, with impure. They are completely, thoroughly evil. That means that the land of Canaan, the Canaanites, were the most immoral. Their entire being was filled with unholy love. Lusts. That's what they were the most corrupted nation. And the Abishta says, rid the land from them and then take the energy of the land, whatever is good inside it, which is the land itself, and turn it into a holy land. And it became the land, it became a holy love. It facilitated love to Hashem. The land of the Emirates was the land of Gevura. An impure Gevura. Rid all the, kill out all the inhabitants, get rid of them, because that's the corruption of it. And then take the land itself, which is the essence of the Midah itself, and elevate it, turn it into Kedusha. So really when the Jewish people conquered the seven nations, really when the Jewish people conquered with the, when the Jewish people conquered the seven nations, it was really an internal battle. They were fighting with their own animal soul. In other words, they were fighting externally, but they had to first also conquer it inwardly. Because we're all born with an animal soul that has these seven, seven inclinations, seven emotions to various different things. And these things need to be switched and turned over. So as the Jews wrestled with their own impurity within themselves, they also rid the world from those impurities. Now the Abishta warned the Jewish people. The Abishta warned them, do not let any single one of the people of the seven nations stay alive. Because they contain within themselves these negative energies. And only God can say that. Of course, you can't, anybody can't just get up and tell people, go out and massacre men, women, and children. But God, who is the creator of man, who knows the heart of every human being, and knows what's beneficial for his world, and what is, God forbid, a cancerous tumor, and must be destroyed. And Hashem was saying that the nations that were living in the land of Israel during that time are a cancer. And if you're not going to destroy it, it's going to destroy you. Don't think for one minute that you can live in peace and harmony with it. It cannot. What it does, just like cancer, chas v'shalom. What does cancer do? It eats off healthy cells. If it would sit and make its own party and live on its own, okay, you know what? So there's an extra piece of something in the human being, chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, that is sitting there and there's no benefit. The problem is it's not satisfied. If you don't destroy it, it comes to destroy. That's the idea that klipa needs energy from kedusha. They need energy from kedusha. They live off kedusha like parasites. So what's going to happen is they're going to try to pull you in. So the Abishta says if you leave them alive, that let's say you leave some Kananim alive, you're leaving the space for impure lusts and impure taiva in the world. And it's going to come to haunt you. It's going to creep into a Jew who's davening. The guy davens, evokes within his heart deep love to Hashem. Three hours later, suddenly he spots something, he sees something impure, immodest, and his heart suddenly is craving the sin. How did that happen? The Kanani that's living, that little Kanani Schmendrick, that little guy, Rutzer, whatever, Shegetzel, that's, uh, that's uh, 15 years old, living over there playing uh, whatever, soccer, he is emanating, I know this sounds weird, but his soul is emanating impure. I know this sound might sound like, oh, so radical, but this is the Emmis, that's what the Alter is saying. He is emanating this poisonous um, 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 lust in the world. He's putting it out there, and it's creeping into your souls and it's schlepping you into it. So the Abishta says, get rid of them. The Jewish people did not get rid of them. They let them hang around. 
So in the beginning, they were they were they were they were they were doing little 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 guerrilla warfare, little things. But then after a while, they became they grew and they became one multi became stronger and stronger, and they made tsarist tsarist to the Jewish people until Shlomo Melech David Melech was able to fight and uh, you know neutralize them for a while. But what happened was when the Jewish people when the Klippics came back into them and the Jewish people started sinning with Shvichas Damim. Gili Arayas came from the Kananim. Shvichas Damim came from the Amorites. Murder. These Klippics got back into them. And they became murderous. They became... Oh, what happened then was they, the Klippic got stronger and it destroyed Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, in order to fix it, in order to fix the corruption, the Jews were corrupted by the seven negative Midos. How long did it take to fix it? 70 years. 70 years because a complete number, seven is by 10. So one, 10 years for each klipa, for each one. 10 years for each midah. They needed to rectify every midah that they did. This was because, again, amazing. This was because, because they were, um, because they were, uh, they let the Canaanim stay alive 800 years earlier when they came in with Yeshua Ben-Nun, they didn't do the job then, it came back to haunt them. 800 years later, the Beis Amikdash was destroyed and they all had to suffer for 70 years. But with 70 years, they were done. Done. Cleaned it. They were able to rectify it. The seven Midos. But Midian is a far more subtle klipa. Midian is the root of the seven unholy middle, as we're going to see soon. Achin, you know who the idea is? Kihine. It's a different nation. Achin, you who? No, it's also not one of the seven nations. Achin, you who? The idea is Kihine, for behold, Bishu, Bishiva, Umois, Shahoya, Be'eretz. Then the seven nations that were living in the land, Be'esha, Bo, Avisainu, Le'eretz, Aknani, Vachiti. At the time when our fathers came, forefathers came to the land of the Kanani and the Chiti, Chulu Nemar, it says, Vahoyu, and it, Vahoyu, and it will be, Ashetaisiru, Mehem, these, those that you will leave over amongst you, Vahulu, Kihem, Hoyesheva, Midai Sarois, they were seven impure negative Midois. Lachain, therefore, Keshachotu Yisrael, Oz, when the Jewish people sinned then, Babayas Rishon, when the Jewish people sinned then in the first base Amigdosh, and these seven Midos prevailed over them, took effect over them. And why did that happen? Because they left them alive. As it says, You should not make a covenant. You did not listen to my voice. And because of them, this is what we were saying earlier, here the Alter Rebbe says it. These are not Jewish sins. A Jew in essence has no, does not, should not do these sins. It's not part of his psyche. And because of this klipa in the world, the Jewish people were, became stumbled in, how are you going to say? I see from the reaction over here. That, uh, that you know, it's easy to go blame your sins on other people's, on other people's corruption and say, you've got to kill them because they're making us, these are the infidels, and they're making us sinful. It's, the, it's, one, it's one akuda, and that is, you know, we, 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 I mean, if the Torah wouldn't say it, we couldn't say it on our own. But it does say that, that a, that a Jew, be'etzem, when he doesn't have very, he's not as far as not fully in it. 
His heart is not fully in it. Because the person in essence, the Yiddus B'pnimi is good. His innermost is good. If there's chas v'shalem, certain times when a person goes off and does things like this, it's like an external thing that's taken a fold of him. It says, A person doesn't sin in Avera, until the spirit of impurity has gotten to him. It's not who he is. Um, however, um, the, the various different nations, and particularly the ancient nations, that represented these ancient forces of evil, they were inherently bad. And you know what? We don't have to talk about a- a- ancient nations. We see today, in today's, we see na- some people go around in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the Middle East, and you see people who celebrate murder, and they celebrate, and they have an enjoyment in it. They have an, an enjoyment. You see the Jewish people two weeks ago when Jews did something that was um, uh, horrible, it, it made people nauseous. It made people sick. The Jewish people couldn't handle it. It's not something that is... That is something that we can that we can't stomach it because it, it's not who we are. Uh, we know that we have to punish those who want to hurt us, but to go to innocent people and to hurt them, it doesn't doesn't sit well with us because a yid is be'etzem good. I, when you had Jews who did it, okay, something got to them. Maybe amongst living amongst people who act that way, this this has imparted its its klipa onto them. But in the in other cultures. This is celebrated. Murder and the worst type of murder, torture and murder and pictures and videos and all kinds of things displayed for big, take a look at what I'm able to do with my bloody hands. This is something that is, that is, that is, this is evil. This is pure evil. We as Jews sometimes have a hard time accepting that there are evil people that are just plain simple bad. And it says over here, umach and this the fact that the Jews had murderers amongst them, it wasn't coming from the Jews. It was coming from the non, from the, from the Amorites that they left alive. They imparted from their klipa into the Jewish souls, polluting them. And as a result of them, they were nichshal with averis chamurais, with serious sins. I just want to see something. He brings over here, ayin by Safis. What does he mean by the word? Hold on one second. And because of them, hold on one second, let me look over here. just wanted to find this. Mem Pevav. Oh, not yet. Not yet. No. Not yet. Pevav. We're going to get to that. Everything. No, just a little different. And as we said earlier. Alkain, therefore, Haya, Golis Bavel, Shivim Shana. Golis Bavel was for 70 years. Through the 70 year rectification, they were able to rectify these seven midas. For every midah, for every midah, there were 10 years. Because every midah is included within a 10. However, in the second base of Migdosh, the sin was not with midas rois. With the negative emotional corruption, atzmam, kiim besinas all that there was was intolerance. Vehi klipas midyon, and this is what the klipa of midyon is all about: the klipa of people not being able to tolerate each other. Stam for no reason. I just can't stand another person. This is not included in the seven nations. We're not dealing with explicit vulgar evil. Like negative lusts. Niof, 
the desire for immorality and the like. Chinam, a more subtler thing. This is what Midyan stands for. Riv. Modoin veriv. Fighting. Umodoin. An argument. And which means over here, arguing just because you say so, I say the opposite. Not because I really believe this is the right thing. And as I said earlier, the Rebbe Rashab writes, and this is, I really see that the words of the Rebbe Rashab is really, he's, he's quoting, or it sounds quite like he's almost verbatim from the Middle Rebbe. In his Encholzumaymer. He says, and we see this ramp, r- rampant in our communities. He says, where you have, we mentioned it earlier, where you have shuls and people, communities, where they can't get anything done because anything that one person says, the other guy says the opposite. Just because he needs to contradict because he can't stand that someone, someone else is going to have the credit or whatever it is for doing something. So therefore he has to say, no, you say so, I do the opposite. Even though this is not real ra, this is the root of the coming into being of all evil. Why? Because the root of, of every evil is what? Let's say if someone has taiva. A taiva. He's, and what's a taiva? He, I want. What do I want? I want something I shouldn't have. Okay? The Abishter created us with certain... Abishter gave us, we need, we need to be sustained by eating. So Hashem tells us which food we can eat. It has to be our food. You can't steal someone else's food. And it has to be kosher food. What happens if someone has a taiva? He has a taiva to eat in, in this non-kosher restaurant. He has a taiva. So the truth is, okay, so you want. So you want, just because you want, what is? But when a person, so what, what causes a person to disregard God's commandment? I'm not talking about someone who wasn't born, you know, was used to it already, but someone who is an observant yid, Torah mitzvahs and everything. What causes him to disregard this commandment? What causes a person to disregard Hashem's commandment in regards to uh, morality other in other in other areas. The fact that he has a strong desire for this thing. So yeah, so what is if you have desire? God said no. But I want. So now you have a clash. I want and the Abister says no. So it depends how much you're feeling yourself, how important you are in your own eyes. If the fact that I am so important in my own eyes that what I want should be, this has to be, so it doesn't make a difference. I, this is going to cause a destruction in the world. I, this is bad for creation. I, okay, you know, when a person sins, he's not thinking all these things. But why does he push all these things away? He or she push all these things away? Because he's so obsessed with the fact that I want and I need and I should have. Which means that the I is very strong. So the root of every, the root, that's one Avera. Now the other thing, why, why would someone go, and because he's so angry at the other person, let's say murder, mamish, you know, road rage. People get angry. You cut me off. How dare you cut me off? To the point where the guy pulls a gun and he, and he, and he fires three bullets, he fires three rounds at someone else. Why did he do that? Because you cut me off. What do you mean? I, I am. So again, the root of it is the sense of I and self-importance. What do you mean? You got into my way. Or for whatever other reason. A person, right? So a person wants to murder for money. Also, it's so important for him to have the money that the other person's life, the other, another person and the person's family and everything that's related and all the pain, it, it's minimal. It doesn't mean anything because the person is so living, swimming in his own self to the point that he has no hargasha, no sense of the devastation, the pain, the suffering he's going to cause to a whole world of people. Because what? Because I, what do you mean? I wanted the money. I need it. Again, the root of it is a strong sense of I. 
which is what Midian is. Because the reason why you can't, in, you, the person is intolerant and you can't stand another person is really rooted in the fact that you feel so, such self-importance that when someone else has any attention, when someone else is, when people are looking at the other person, when people admire someone else, when people are uh, acknowledging them, that's minimizing of, yourself, of, of one's own self. That's making you smaller. And he can't stand to be made smaller. So Al Kane, as he says, Ah, omidezu afapishenera, gomer achumokre savasara, it's the root of aura. Vugam kane hepacha kedusha lekis. It's the opposite of, of holiness. Because holiness, there is bittle. And where there is bittle, there is space. Where there is bittle, so I don't feel, I don't feel everything. So there is space for something else. Shehi dafke bechenas achtos. In kedusha, there is unity. Vihiskalalus and there is integration. I can and I can become and I can join even something that is totally different than me, because I know that we both play a role in fulfilling Hashem's mission and Hashem's desire. Hashem created me with my talents, my abilities. Hashem created you with your talents and your abilities, and each one with their particular thing. And there needs to be a harmony to be able to unify it all together. Vihiskalalus and unification. Shuhu yisoid kolatayra. This is the root of all of Torah. The root of Torah is to unify different opposites, aspects. We learned a few weeks ago the idea of paraduma. We had Pasha's chukas. So the, the paraduma it says that the paraduma is the the zois chukas Torah. This is the rule. This is the primary mitzvah of the entire Torah. Why? Because it says so. The Alter Rebbe explains because in paraduma you have an expression of this idea. In Paraduma, you have fire and water coming together. You burn it, and then you put water. You mix the ash with water. You have the burnt ashes with water. Two total opposites. They're coming together to bring about one thing. They're coming to bring life. They're coming to bring purity. Together, fire and water together. Two, two of the biggest enemies have been harmonized to create life. And that's what Kedusha is. Taking all the various different facets, all the various different um, um, individuals, Unifying everybody and everything to serve one thing. For instance, you take a for instance, take a look at, at, at the Rebbe. One of his one of the most beautiful things is that the Rebbe found in every person how they can make a difference, bringing putting them to do what they do best and they need to do, and together with everyone else, as everybody do does the thing that they need to do, together you create one magnificent, beautiful symphony of godliness in this world. One beautiful tapestry of the various different colors and the different things as they blend together. Each one is needed because each one is serving something bigger than themselves. The problem is when you take out the thing that's bigger than yourself and it's about yourself, it's about me, it's not about the thing that I'm doing, but it's about me. And when it says about yourself, then, 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 then anything that's not you is clashing with you. So either the clash can be someone that's more similar to you, Someone that's exactly the same, then you can't stand it because you feel they're a competitor yourself. Or it can be there's an opposition when someone is different, but you don't know why you need them. There's a lack of the ability because there's no, there's no humility and there's no space. That's what he's saying. Which is the foundation of all the Torah. Like Hilazakin said to the Ger who said, Teach me the whole Torah on one foot. He said, That which you dislike for yourself. You shouldn't do to someone else, which means care about someone else. And the rest is just commentary. The rest of the Torah is commentary. I know. 
Mishim dekach ulamayla, because so it is above. So this idea that Torah, that the root of Torah is the synchronization and the harmonization of all of existence. And that's the symbol of Kedusha, because that's the way it also is above in the manifestation of the divine in the Yudke Vavke. In Yudke Vavke. So it is above. The point of Havaya, Havaya is also made up of different factions. There is a Yud, there is a He, there is a Vav, and there is a He. Not only are the four different, four dif- different letters, but they represent different worlds. We know Yud represents Atzilus. The He represents Bria. Vav is the power in Yetzirah. He is the power in Asiya. So they're worlds apart. Not only that, in each world, they represent the completely di- di- diametric um, different elements of the world. Yud is Chachma, He is Bina. Chachma and Bina are both intellectual faculties, but they, they, one is the right side, one is the left. This is the right and the left. Right and the left are fighting with each other forever. Can't get along. You see, where there is Klippa, you have right and left. Can't get along. What's destroying America? The right and the left can't get along. There is a, there is a break. You can't, you can't bring yourself together. In Kedusha, there is the right and there is the left, and both of them are harmonized to serve one purpose. Chachma, Bina. There is the, the, the Vav K also. The Vav is the six directions. The Vav itself is six directions. East, no, right? Vav is six, which are total opposites, yet harmonized in one Vav. And the same as the He. It's unity, and integration one with the other. Why? Because Hashem is one with the Kalim. Hashem is one with the garments. Hashem is one with the attributes. You see, if each attribute is an entity for itself, if Chesed is a company of Chesed, and Gevura is a company, a corporation of Gevura, so these are corporations that clash with each other. One of them is about doing kindness, the other one is about disciplining. And they never get along, because one of them wants to run the world with kindness, the other one wants to run the world with harsh, stern discipline. So there's no way, they're, they're fighting, they're at each other's throats. But since the Abishter is one with his attributes, so Chesed is not a corporation of Chesed, and Gevura is not a corporation of Gevura. They're both expressions of the Ein Sof. They're both expressions of the beauty, of the infinite possibility of the Ein Sof. The Abishter's infinite possibility that he contains Shleimusa Dekula, that Hashem is perfect with utter perfection. The Abishter is perfect with utter perfection. So therefore he contains within himself these two opposites. So the Chesed is only here to serve the purpose of creation. Kavur is also here to serve the purpose of creation and they understand that they complement each other. And each one needs that Gevura understands you need Chesed and Chesed understands you need Gevura and that's how they come together and they, and they blend with each other because they're unified to a singular uh, uh, source which is the Ein Sof that has no Chesed and Gevura in it which is the source of them both and that unifies and keeps them all together. That the he is one with his garments. He is the knower. And he's the knowledge. And the Alter Rebbe says, that's the whole idea. Unity doesn't mean, when we say Kedusha is unity, unity doesn't mean just one. One is not unity. One is one. Unity is when you have two different things and they're united. United States. What's United States? You have 50 states. And the 50 states come together to form one singular unit of one country, one nation. 
And that's called Echad. It's a oneness. Fa'ainu, so, and the same is, in, in, in a locust, there is all colors, every color of the rainbow, every aspect. But they're all perfectly harmonized and perfectly synchronized to work together. Pidush Echad ain't Pidushai, so it's not referring to God Himself. Muhusat Musait, Hashem's very essence. Yuzbarach, the Ionikri Yachid. That's called Yachid. He referred to Hashem himself, Yachid, the only one. Achpidish, Echad, what does Echad mean? Haina Echad, he is an Aleph, he is the one. Ches, he is the one that's in the eight. What's the eight? The up and the down, the seven heavens and the earth, that's eight. And Hashem unifies them all, he's the power that unifies them all. Bezayin Rikiyim Va'aretz, in the seven heavens and in the earth. Ulamayla, and, right? Ulamayla, and above, what are the seven heavens? Above the seven heavens are Zion Midas, are the seven emotions. Shekulam bitelim. Down once once it manifests into the worlds, the, the, the seven become seven heavens. But in a, in a higher than the worlds, in godliness, the seven of, of, of Ches. Ches is eight. So it's seven and one. The seven are the seven the seven midos. Hashem they're all separate midos, but yet they're all unified with the one Abishter. They're all nullified. And they're all integrated in oneness. This is Kedusha. This is the world of holiness, where everything is together, everything is merged together. And therefore, who stands opposite of Midya? Who stands opposite of Avaya? Midyan. Because Midyan is the root of separation. And really, if you think about it, it says that this idea that the, the spheres do not cra- clash with each other, this is a novelty. Initially, when Hashem emanated the spheres, in the first, the first try, the first trial, Hashem had a trial. Hashem is absolute oneness. When Hashem began revealing various different facets of His infinite possibility, and he emanated chesed and gevura, they did clash with each other. And that's what we know in Hasidus is called Oilamatayu, the world of chaos, where the energies were too potent and too strong and they were intolerant of each other and they collapsed. Because each one said, I want to be a king. Instead of the initial chesed, when the, the first aspect of love emerged from the Abish, the love wanted to rule. Everything was about love. It wasn't about the Abishtu who has an intention, God himself who wants love for a certain reason. It just became about love. Love became God. In the world of love, this was it. There was nothing deeper than this. It wasn't a higher purpose. Then when Hashem emanated the attribute of Gevura, and Gevura was justice, and, 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 uh, and um, justice and, and correctness, or whatever it is, that became God. Everything had to be just. Exacting, exacting just, justice and discipline. And that became what it's all about. And there was nothing outside of it. And they couldn't hear of anything else. That was tell you, they were what we call anathem mispardim. They were branches that each one went off in their own tangent without ever recognizing that there is another one that's also part of the same thing that is opposite. Then Hashem brought about, and that collapsed, fell apart. Then Hashem brought about Olamatiko in the second trial, so to speak, of the seven emotions. And this time, the emotions did get along and integrate one with each other. Um, each Mida was able to find within it within it, points of the other midah. Chesed was able to find within it the capacity for Gevura. 
Gavur was able to find within it the capacity of chesed, and they were able to link with each other, tolerate each other, connect. And the real reason why Olam Atikun, the real reason why, the real reason why Olam Atikun um, is able to was able is able to be integrated, unified, and 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 interwoven one with each other, is because in Olam Atikun everything is ba'achdos. I'm sorry, everything is bibitl. The reason why when there is bitl, there is unity, as we said earlier. Now, Midian, that's interesting. The seven Midian, we said earlier that the seven nations who lived in the land of Canaan, we learned, we learned earlier, the seven nations who lived before the Jewish people took over the land, um, they were the Midos of the Klippa, impure love, impure Gevura, each one, each Midah. Why were they that way? Because they were the broken vessels. The initial midos that Hashem emanated, Shlomo, the initial, you're in the share now, the initial midos that Hashem had emanated from the source, those midos were holy. They were very holy. It was a godly love. It was Hashem's love. It was Hashem's gavura. But the midah, we said earlier, the midah did not tolerate the other midah. So it fell down. It collapsed. When it collapsed, what happened? The energy of love became corrupted love. And it became impure love. The energy of, the energy, so it, it manifested in the people that were living in the land. The Kananim, they were, they had within it little points of energy from the world of Tayyip. And the same was that each one had the energies of the individual corrupted, the, the individual corrupted powers of the world of Tayyip, which they embodied these people. However, the essential signature of Tayyip, the very trait of Tayyip, that one doesn't get along with the other, they didn't embody that. They were the corruptions of the emotions after they collapsed. Midian, they embodied the very essence of the problem of Tayyu in the first place. What's the problem? Why, why did the Midos become, why did they collapse? Why did the Abishter's Chesed not hold out? Why did the Abishter's Gevura not hold out? The answer was because they didn't get along with each other. Why didn't they get along with each other? Because they were in battle. They were, they, were little, they were a little too much about themselves, not about their source. And that's why they clashed with each other. Midian, when that energy of Toyu fell down in the world, the very, very essence of Toyu, what's the essence of Toyu? In the, the fact that I am and nothing is besides me, that was embodied in the Midianite people. They were people of strife. They were people of hatred. They were hating people. That's who they were. Wherever a Midianite came, there was a fight. They caused fights. They caused disjoint. Whenever, sometimes you have that. You have sometimes, you, you, you know, you always, there are people that when they, you know, they come into a place, they'll cause fighting. They just have that in them. They just cause, they, they, they emanate an energy of dispute, of argument. They're very argumentative. Everything is always a problem. And they cause that. There's a Midianite element to them. There's no particular bad midah. There's no unholy love, this, that. It's just this, 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 this Midianite thing inside of them. That's what the Midian nation had. They contained within themselves the traces of Toyu itself. The root of the discord of Toyu was, 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 was planted in the souls of the Midianite people. And that needed to be eradicated. But that's a far more subtler evil. It's not easy to identify. 
Vezahu, as he says over here, um, so, they all of them are nullified and are unified in oneness. And therefore, which they are the very essence of Toyo itself. Venargon Mafrid, Venargon. I don't know exactly to translate the word Nargon. Mafrid brings. Period separation, who hamenagid l'shem avaya? They stand diametrically opposed to the name avaya, because what is the name avaya? The name avaya is the power of Ein Sof that runs through all the attributes. You have conflicting midos. You have total opposite midos that are one opposite the other, and shem avaya comes down inside all the various different attributes, all the individual spheres. Sweeps, unifies them all together and integrates them all into the Ein Sof. That's what the Shema Vaya is. It's the pure, simple light that, 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 that keeps it all together. They that bring fragmentation, Midian, stands in opposition to the power of Avaya that is the power of, of, of the unity of the all different elements. Because what does Avaya do? That even all the opposite midos, and that which is total, one opposite the other, all of them are unified, and they're bottle in the light of Avaya. Midyan is the opposite. And therefore, by the first and second base of Migdosh, we were polluted, we were infected with the germs of the seven midos, of the seven nations. So it took 70 years to clean it. But now in our, in our, in our Gullus now, we were polluted and infected with the germs of Midian. And this kind of germ is, is very hard to rid. And therefore, this which is coming to rectify baseless hatred, is taking a very long time for it to be fixed. That's why Chazal also say, the, the, the Gemara wants to say, how come the early base Amigdash had such a fast tikkun, and now we, are, we, we fixed the second base Amigdash, it's taking so long. So they say, to shine him the early generations, that the sin was revealed, their kates was revealed. Meaning it was known, basically what the Gemara means, it was a very clear sin, there were no excuses for it. Everybody knew that when you kill someone, there is blood running, there's no excuse for it. People knew that when they acted immorally in an immoral relationship, that was a sin. What's the excuse? You did, you messed up. You feel bad, you do tshuva, you clean it up. But over here, Piddish, what it, but the, the Gemara says, Achshav, and this, this scholars, we don't know what the sin is. It's not clear. It's not, it's, the end is also not clear. What does that mean? Because it's a more subtler kind of a thing and everybody justifies it. It was clear evil. They did tshuva immediately. Like it says the difference between... Oh, he's going to bring it in a minute. Uh, the later generation, it's not clearly clear what the sin is. Which is the idea of baseless hatred. Everybody, uh, everybody uh, deceives themselves. That this is not such a sin. Therefore, 
it's not been the case, has not been uh, not been revealed. Mipnei, and the reason for that is Mipnei she'ein mischartim kol kach and the Rebbe Rashab writes that dafke rabbanim and dafke like people of of higher stature have, have this this creeps in this chesinas chinam and they can't get along one with each other, and one rabbi says so and the other one rabbi says the opposite just because the other one said so. If a kumoshikasev kihei gavna berabenu yaina, and it says in in so in 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 rabbenu yaina reish perikam adabrachis. In Shalakacha Asham Shteisloim, it says that a Asham that you bring for a doubt sin, when you're in doubt if you sin, you have to bring a carbon Asham, it's an expensive Asham. It's an Asham Toloi. But if a Chatas, which you bring for a definite sin, Asham is a guilt offering, which you bring when you don't know for sure if you sinned. So you have to bring a more expensive carbon. If you, if you know for sure you sinned, then you bring a much cheaper carbon. And the reason is why. So it says, because when, when a person knows he sinned, he has a broken heart. But when a person is maybe and he's excusing himself and thinks probably he didn't, so you need to break him another way, so you make him spend a lot of money and then he feels really bad about it. So that's going to break his heart. Anything to get him to break his heart. The sin is not breaking his heart because he's thinking, I probably didn't do it. You know, I, I probably didn't sin. Doesn't eradicate, doesn't regret it so much. Like the famous story of the, who was it? Such a beautiful story. This year there was Mechal Shabbos. No, it was the ter- I think it was the Teldes. Teldes Yaakov Yosef. Who was one time traveling to the Balshemtov. And in the way he got stuck a whole story. And he was and he and he and he and he ended up like being stuck on sh- miserably on Shabbos on the road. And he had like these horrible thoughts of maybe he didn't keep Shabbos so well. It was like a whole, st- I don't remember. And he came to the Baal Shem Tev and he was mamish beside himself. And the Baal Shem Tev said it was a punishment because there was a Yid in your town who, who came to you for a tikkun and for an Avera that he did and for Chil Shabbos and you told him it was a big tikkun you gave him instead of the, and the guy said, but you know what, I always used to, if I ever did so and so, I would just donate a little candles. And you said like, candles? What do you mean just donate candles? You yelled at him that he has to do a much bigger thing. And the Baal Shem Tev said, you don't know when a Yid, is, when a yid, when a yid does an Aver and he brings candles to the shul, he has such a broken heart that that's already a kapara. What he brings, he only has to need a little candles. But since you didn't realize that brokenness and you were like giving him big, big punishments and big segufim, so you needed to learn that lesson also. And so something like that happened. But the, I don't remember the story, but it was along those lines. That that the yid is a, that the most of the kapara comes from the brokenheartedness, not the that's by achatas, but by anasham when a person is not sure they did the avera, so they excuse it. The kim shasham yeah, oy kamayal derech marshal, or he gives another example. Lavarer apsaylas adak sarich shoes yosim and apsaylas agas. When you're cleaning gold or when you're cleaning something, so to pick out the bad, the the the, the real ugly pieces. Right? It's very easy to define them. You go one, two, three, you pick it out. You see, this is junk. The real coarse junk, it's easy. But then to start selecting the more subtler impurities, which the eye takes a long time. You have to look and look and look and see, this looks nice, but it's not it. And you can move it to the side until you get the finest of the fine. And that's what we're busy doing now. In the first base of Mikdash, there were big coarse pieces of ugliness, and it was easy to throw it out. But now we're dealing with the more subtle impurity that's in the hearts even of great people. 
that they that they sometimes they just don't tolerate someone else just because that needs to be fine picked and that's not easy to clean. Hagamshu if it's a gashu nikr lekol it's recognized to everybody shu psalas. Vechein bedinim bigemara. Same we also find also intellectually in halacha. Ain't tzarech iyan when you're learning gemara you don't need a lot of a lot of deep analysis. Shoirev aser that that a raven is aser vahayoyna muteres and a dove is permitted to eat. A dove is a sweet little bird. Everybody knows it's a kosher bird. A raven is an ugly crow that always yells and shouts and it's a nasty bird. And you know that what? That, uh, that it's not kosher. I mean, I don't mean because of that. I mean because it's clear. Everybody knows the Torah says a raven is forbidden and the yonah is kosher. But when it comes to more subtle little things, there the Gemara has to sift a very long time back and forth with questions, proofs, back and forth until it decides the halacha whether this is permitted or this is not permitted. Because you're dealing with something that is much more benign. It's not so clear. takes a lot of effort. takes more time. with back and forth, and deep, deep, deep analysis. And afterwards, you come to a recognition that this is forbidden. And the same is also to correct and fix the sin. Of sinas chinam, a baseless hatred, or because people don't see it as such a vulgar sin, in the eyes of people, because a person justifies it, a person justifies it that I dislike that person because I have a right to. What do you mean? This person is violating Shulchan Aruch, or this person is doing this, and this he says, and we come up with reasons of why we, but that's not the true reason. The real reason is just because you like yourself. That's all. He says that people have the nature that they dismiss other people's avoda. Avoda, people. Someone else is davening, working on himself. And you're dismissing his davening and saying that, you know what, I know that he's doing it because he wants attention, he wants this. You'll find ulterior motives in other people. Do it to yourself, don't do it to others. Why are you finding negative in other people? A person is doing that because, not because they, they really bothers them, it's because it bothers them that someone else is doing something. al a lot of times you have people that do a lot of good. People do good. This guy is giving, you have people that, that are giving tzedakah. And, and people like to dismiss it and say, Oh, the guy wants his name on the building, or the guy wants his... You know what? You didn't give the tzedakah. So what are you, what are you talking about? He did give it. So why, why are you putting the other guy down because he gave the money or he did, the, did this and saying that it's, for, it's, it's, it's for, for own reasons? And maybe it is, so what is? But they're still good that they're doing. And people always like to make... To, 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 to dismiss the good that people do and find that they're doing it because whatever. And that's just because you can't stand that someone else is getting, getting recognition. Why? Because you want the recognition. Why? Because you're so important to yourself that you think every conversation that everybody always has it has to be about you. Al came therefore, Tzarech al-Zezman Rab, needs a lot of time. Ach lahav in k'tzas but to understand a little bit the seriousness of this. Deschin ha-schinam of sin ha-schinam, eich shu hu amenaged mamesh l'shem avaya, how this stands diametrically opposed to the yud ke and the idea is as follows. He's not going to explain how Shem Avaya comes, the name Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, comes to unify opposites. Beginning with the Yud and the He. The Yud and the He are two total opposites, one from each other. Why? Because Yud is all about contracting everything down to a point. He is all about expanding 
everything into a definable expression, expressed state. How do these two opposite forces work in the creation? Creation is continuously an ongoing perpetual effect of these two letters of Hashem's name, Yudke, without the constant tzimtzum of Hashem blocking His infinite light. If Hashem would remove that powerful tzimtzum, there's a powerful tzimtzum that's getting everything down to one tiny little crumb of godly energy. If God would leave go and Hashem would not contract His energy, if Hashem would relax His muscles, so to speak, and allow the energy just to flow, in one split second the universes would disappear. Because everything would be flooded with a flood, with a marble, with a tsunami of godly light, and that would flood all of creation. So Hashem has to continuously hold everything back and only reveal the tiniest point. But at the same time, if He constricts everything only to a point, so you, what do you have? You would just have what the, what the evolution talks about, that first initial, um, what is it? The Big Bang that has first a, a tiny little particle. Everything, and everything was concentrated in that incredible heat, whatever how they describe it, in that hot whatever, and then it, it from there it's whatever. I don't know how scientifically if it's correct. I'm not sure. I'm not a scientist. Not in how the Abishta created the world. But um, Kabbalistically it is correct. That there is this point, and then from this point there's the opposite. Expression as it begins to express itself in all different types of shapes and forms as it develops an entire universe. Now these two things are acting simultaneously the entire time. The, there's a powerful contraction down to a point and a powerful expansion. Now these are two opposite forces. One is chesed, kind of, expansion. The other one is gevura, constriction. How do the two things work together simultaneously in harmony? It's because there is a power, he's going to explain, that transcends them both, that's beyond expansion and contraction, and, and, and that has an interest in having both of them happen, and that's why both of these forces can act in total unison one with each other, at the same time. So creation is an act of contradictions, contradictory forces unified with a force that's bigger than them because these contradictory forces are servants of something higher than them. It's not about what they are, it's about what they're accomplishing. And therefore they're working with something that's totally, the Chachma is working with the Bina, even though they would, they would, they would be at each other's throats, but yet they're working with the Bina. Not, they're not looking at each other as one messing up to what the other is doing, they're working how they're one complementing each other. And that's, that's the initial, that's the first unification. And then there is another unification on a lower level, as he's going to explain soon. So now let's see. The Indian and the idea is the Shem Avaya Nikra Shem Shemahavim Ayin Liyash. Shem Avaya is called Avaya. Why is Avaya Avaya? Because it brings beingness from non-beingness into something. Mahava. Avaya means Havaya. It brings into existence from nothing to something. Hina Yidu Akushir is known the question. Lama Nikra Savus Me Ayin Liyash. Why do we call creation that Hashem is creating Me Ayin? From nothing to something. What do you mean from nothing? He's creating from himself. And he is the ultimate something. It's from something to something. From himself to a creation. And if we can say about something that's nothing, we would say the creation is nothing. So creation is more like an ayin miyash, not a yash miyayin. Hashem is making nothingness from something, from him. He is the true being. And all before him is not. That means the creation that he created and the universe and they are nothing. 
Isn't that insulting to say that Hashem creates the world in yesh me'ayin, something from nothing? Ve'ayin v'yefes mamish, and the worlds are nothing. Ach, inyan hu, the idea is, so he's going to say the reason why it says Hashem creates the worlds from, from yesh me'ayin is because all of creation is constantly created from one tiny little speck of a speck of a speck, you can't even see it, a tiny little, 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 um, uh, point, but I want to say how minuscule, infinitesimally little point. That's the point of Chachma. That's left over from the Ein Sof. Which means, initially there is infinite light, endless light, infinite, infinite godly beingness and existence. God takes all of that in, all of that in, that all goes into absolute concealment, and what was left over from all that light, just one little dot that is completely shapeless. Just one point, from which that point is one little crumb of a crumb, that point is the source of all of creation. And that's why creation is called Yesh Me'ayin, because it's being created from nothing. Hashem diluted His light to the, to the most minuscule, 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 and from the, that diluted, from that infinite dilution, He creates all of existence. So it's all created, Me'ayin, from, 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 from a nothing. That yud is called a nothing. Because the ain't soif baruchu kishmoi kain who, as his name and so he is, ain't noit chili has no beginning. Lechain and there or and vuchulu and has no end. Lechain kishaho yitzarech liyosam shachas oir. When there had to be a drawing forth of energy of life, lesa or light, lesavis anivroim to give life to the creatures balik vul that are limited. Efshir, this could not happen. You couldn't just let Hashem's light evolve stage by stage by stage. Then everything would have been infinite. We would have remained in the realm of the infinite. There had to be a total breakaway from the infinite so something new can start, which is finite existence. So you have to have a quantum leap, an end to what was, and a new beginning. How do you have an end to what was? You completely conceal everything that was there. You eliminate what was there before, and you turn over a new page. Now, you couldn't conceal everything completely, completely, because then you would have nothing to work with. So there had to be the... What was left was enough that you have, that you can say it's, it's, it's a trace of what was. A, but nothing, the bare minimum, that you can't be minute less than that. That's, that's the point of Chachmah. Nothing, you couldn't be even less. The, the, the least, the least, that it should still be considered what was. A trace of godliness. And then from there. There needed to be a powerful contraction. What was bizgalus was only a tiny little mitzumtzemes, very contracted. In order, then there can be this radiance. Makar, a source, Vishayresh, this point becomes the source for all the cosmos and all the worlds. To create worlds that have a limit. They should not be nullified of existence as the mashal is given, like a teacher who has, as long as he has all his rich and deep and endless and rich understanding, he can't give over to the students because he's going to flood their brains. He's going to mess them up completely. So he has to completely shove all of his big knowledge, lock it up in a storage room, put it all, draw it back into his mind, leave over only a tiny little something in which he feels he can teach, 
one little point. It might just be a very, very, very elementary point. And that point, he's going to develop. But first, that point that he finds is only, a tiny, is only a point. It's not teachable at that point. That point is not teachable at that point. Because it's only, it's still just a point. He has to then take that point and expand it. And find the details and the build. You know, to him, in the mind of the teacher, it's just a point. It, 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 it covers, it, it can cover an entire subject. It can cover, it can cover an entire book. Sometimes you learn, like, for example, you have this. You know, you, you, learn, you learn a lot of Hasidis. We learned, we learned over here. And we have ideas that if you really think about it, you take one idea that you, you know, we learned Thursday night, one idea, one concept, and you can apply it to so many things in life. You can write an entire, from one mimer, or even from a one, uh, half, a one, one parak in a mimer, you can write something, you can write a book, more than one book, of ideas that apply to so many aspects of life. Right? Now, the, the, the teacher, the one who learned it and whatever, has that one point in his mind. But when he wants to give it over to a lesson, to, especially if you have totally new people who never learned Hasidus, and you want to, so you want to just take one little crumb of an idea and share it. And you want to, you can make seven classes out of it. Seven classes. Each idea. But, and the teacher initially, when he separates the idea, he doesn't have seven classes. He has one point that encompasses, compilates all these ideas. When he begins to dissect it, he realizes, hey, you know what, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this nuance and that nuance, and he begins to, that's the Bina element, where you're structuring, that's what the Eberster did. He leaves over a tiny little point of himself, just a point of a point, and from there after that, he structures an entire existence. They should not become nullified. This is the Yud of the name of Aya. It's a powerful Tzimtzum. And there's two parts to this Tzimtzum. Number one, it's what Hashem has pulled into Himself. And that's called darkness. He hides all the light and He makes it absolutely dark. Because everything that was first, first revealed now goes into, goes into recession. It all goes into a hidden state. Ragilui, what's left over is one nakuda of light he leaves over. Bhinas nakuda, only one point is left with glowing, shining. But even that nakuda, since it's only a point, it's not graspable. It's still a very viyatza, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like a cloudy, first you have clouds, darkness. And from amongst the clouds, you have just a flash. The flash is just a little point. And where is it? You don't even know. It was a flash. Viyatza kabara chitzai. Hashem's arrow for creation, the Yud is like an arrow, it, it emanates, it comes out like a flash. It doesn't, it doesn't settle, just like a flash. Like, you know, you have a flash of light, electricity, you see it, boom, it disappears. Now if you want to take that electricity that you get in the flash, and you want to use the electricity to, uh, to, to, to power a, a, a city, I don't know if anybody's able to do that, but imagine that. You have that flash. If you have a device that you can catch that jolt of energy and then grab it and from there create more energy and create electricity from it, then you can maybe empower a city with the ongoing energy that you're able to, to capture from that, one, from that one flash. But if you don't catch it, all you have is a flash and it's gone. That's the idea of Chachmah and Bina. Chachmah is just an akuda. A flash, it's not settled. One point. And then the Bina comes and grabs it, settles it down, and develops it. As he said, where are we here? Um, but after the Yud, comes the hey. 
the hay has an oirech, it has length, and a breath, a width. The hay includes within it two dimensions. The soivev, encompassing of all worlds, and the mamal, that's all after the yud, after the yud, and because it depends, in Hasidus sometimes we talk soivev kalama means keser, but I guess over here soivev kalama, he's referring to the six emotions are called soivev kalama, and malchus is called mamala kalama, and it's all coming from the bina, which presents these two powers of soivev and mamal, before that you're, even, you're totally beyond even the encompassing light. That's after the Abishter is already getting definition of Maila and Mata of up and down. This is all after the Yud. That's why creation is called Yesh Me'ayin, something from nothing. Because the source of bringing into beingness all of what exists, all of Yesh, is from something that's nothing. It's a tiny little dot. In compared to the Ebishter. Now it says that this point, this is what the Rebbe Rashab writes, this point is called Ayin for two reasons. To the Ebishter it's Ayin. To God himself it's Ayin. Because it's nothing. It's really just one point. To the worlds, it's called Ayin not because it's nothing. It's the concentrated potent power that gives life to all worlds. In that one point you have everything. All of creation. So you can't call it nothing because of that. It's called nothing because it doesn't have yet any form. It's still unknowable. It's still so sublime. It's still so abstract. It's still so undefined. It's like water. Uh, the next level, being is called like already like ice, firmament. It gets already def- fixed. It's not fixed yet. It's still too fluidy. It doesn't have any definition. That is above this tzimtzum. And that's why Chazal say, the system of creation works. First there's darkness. First darkness, then light. Chachmas considered darkness. Because first of all, you have all the tzimtzum preceding chachma. Keser, total darkness. Everything is in a hidden state. Chachma is one point, but chachma is also considered darkness. Because you don't yet have giloy, there's no revelation in it yet. And bina is where you get really light. So for his darkness, is the contraction. And then comes light, is expansion. The Tzemach Tzedek throws in over here, when it says, I am dark, the Yud is considered, I'm black, because the Yud has a, just a black point. The essence of a Yud is not even the shape of a Yud. The shape is already the Yud leaning to Bina. When the Yud is going to give Mashpia to Bina, it begins to get already a curve. It gets a little Yud in the bottom as it's beginning to enter into the hay. The essence of the Yud is just a dot. There's no whiteness in it. There's no Giloi. It's just a point. Shehub chenasei Yud, the lays by Chivra. There's no light there at all. There's no whiteness. V'hadr nahoyre, and then comes light. Tub chenasei Now, now these two tenuis, these two movements, absolute contraction and then absolute expansion, these are two diametrically opposed attributes. There needs to be some mediator that should combine these two opposites. And this can only be accomplished through something that transcends them both. What? 
שהוא המשך המאורין סייף ברוך הוא, והמשך of the אורין סייף himself, the kamei for him, כחשיך, כאורי light and darkness is the same. What does it mean? The Rebbe Rashab explains it. He says like this. This whole, really it says it over here, but he elaborates on it. He says this whole process of first contracting and then illuminating, taking that point and expanding it, that's only when the teacher wants to teach. And the teacher is coming to give a lesson. Then he has his dealing with the student. He can't just sit down with the student and, and open up his mind and, because he'll flood, he'll destroy his mind completely. So he needs to go through the process. But before, when the teacher is not teaching, the teacher before he even thought of ever of having a student, when he's sitting and learning on his own, he doesn't need this whole process. There's no helm, there's no contraction, and there's no, and there's no, there's just, it's just him. And in him, there's the potential for these two powers. They're both inside of him, in, but they're, they're, they're all there as one akuda, and that is his ability, but nothing else. It's not two in Yanim. That's what he's saying happens over here. In order for these two powers in creation, the power of contraction of the Yud and the power of expansion of the hey to unify and be together, the Chachma with the Bina, you have to have a revelation of the Urin Saif that's prior to creation. A place where, a prior to, 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 even prior to the beginning of the seeds of creation, a place where the two opposites can be totally, where the two opposites are one. Before him, darkness and light are one. Because darkness and light, that's part of creation. Ooh, that's part of creation where there is what? Two opposites. Before the world was created, these things don't exist. And through being mamshech from this lofty place, you can unify these two in Yanim, Chachmem Bina, Atshe Pchinas Chachmem Bina, Tul Chachmem Bina Shem Pchinas Yud Vehei, which are the Yud and the Hei, Nasu, they become Trein Rei, and they become two friends, the Loimis Parshin, that don't, that don't separate. Chachmem Bina, two opposites, yet they're friends, they're always together. How does that happen? You have to have the will of the soul itself, the Ratzon, the will that this should happen, causing them to happen. And this is what it means, that this is the, this is the power of the world of Tikkun. And the power of the world of Tikkun, the Oyrein Saif himself dwells there, and it causes the unification of these two opposite forces. Alpha Pishem Be'etzem Be'ezafeichem, even though essentially, inherently, the two opposites. V'nikra Ayin V'yesh. You couldn't have two bigger opposites than nothingness and something. Chachm is the power of nothingness, Bina is the power of somethingness. That's higher than both of them. They integrate. And they become one. And the Rebbe Shab explains how they integrate. Through the Nekuda of Bina that's in Chachma. And through the Chachma that's in Bina. How does Chachma and Bina, which are two opposites, work together? Because in Chachma there is a point of Bina. And in Bina, there is a point of Chachma, and they find the, two, the opposites within themselves, and that's how it connects. I'm not going to go into it, it's a long explanation of how that works. But that's how they're, they're unified. But why do they find within themselves their opposites? Because they're bottle. If they're not bottle, they wouldn't find it within themselves. They would just be about who they are. The Chachma would be all about symptom, and the Bina would be all about expansion. But because they're bottled to their source, they're not, they, they, they recognize the other and they find within themselves an akuda that relates to the other. Oh, now where do, you, where do you have this amshacha? Where do you see that in the yutke vavke, 
there is a power that's higher than the Yud. Because you, this power could not be in the Yud by itself. Because the Yud is one of the powers. The Yud is one extreme. The power of hiding. The power of concealing. The hay is the power of revealing. So how do the... From within the Yud itself, they wouldn't have the ability for him to connect to the, to the hay. It's a power above the Yud. But where do you see in the Yud Kevavke that you have a power above the Yud? And the answer is that's on the top of the Yud. On the top of the Yud is the little, the little crown, the little thorn that's pointing up. What's that? That's that orange safe channeling of what is even higher than Chachma. And that's what's enabling the Yud to connect to the hay. So he's going to explain now that the upper kites of a yud is the power of the lower. A yud is a point with two thorns next to it. The bottom part of the yud is the chachma leaning to the bina. Chachma is willing to work with bina. Chachma is willing, chachma is willing to explain itself enough that bina should be able to get a grasp on it and begin seeing the details. Initially, chachma likes to remain elusive. The fact that chachma has bends with, a little, with the bottom of the yud to the bina to, to introduce itself into the Bina, that's coming from the power of the Ein Sof, the power of the, the Pre-Chachma, that's hidden in the upper thorn of the Yud. And the two thorns are related one to each other. As he brings over here, and this Samshach is hinted to, in the thorn on top of the Yud, it's way above the Yud. And through this Mispashit, and this connects the Yud with the hay. It can move with paradise, as explained in the paradise from the Ranak. Shahayud yesh like gimel koitzin. The yud has really three dots. And from the lower koitz comes the hay. And in the lower thorn, yesh pchinas koitz elyon. In the lower yud part, in the lower thing, it has within it from the upper one. This that the Yud lowers itself into the hay, Nimshcha, they could say Shul Yud is coming from the upper part of the Yud, Shulamayla Mayla Me'etzem Chenasayud, which is way above the essence of the Yud, for who, who, Hamachaber, and this is the one that attaches Hayud de Mehei, the Yud with the hay. In Lechlecha, it says over there that Avram is, represents the Yud, Avram, exalted father. Avram wants to be above the world, higher, not. And Hashem tells him, Lech lecha, go down, go to Bina, which is either Bina or Malchus. Lower yourself down into a world of definition. Go down, shine your light. And it says the power for Avram to do that came from beyond Avram, from a place higher than him. We know there's something called Das Elyon, the higher Das, which serves as a unifier between Chachma and Bina. The lower level of Das unifies the Mochin with the Midos. We know that the Das is the secret to when you study, the fact that you create Midos, emotions, comes only through Das. So Das is the, Das is also called Maftecha de Kol Shis. It's a, a key that includes all seven, six emotions in it. That's the lower Das. The higher Das is the mental Das, mental cognition that connects you to the will of Keser, that enables your Chachma to, to channel into Bina. That these two things should remain together. I'm not sure. 
And now we'll understand why when someone is learning Torah, it says when someone learns Torah, he makes peace. In the higher abode. What kind of peace do we have to make? We have to make peace between Ayin and Yesh. In the, it says when people learn Torah, they keep the world in existence. Torah study keeps the world alive. And he's going to show how technically that works. Existence could not be in existence unless you have the constant interplay between the, the, the power of the Abishter contracting to the point and then the expansion. If Chas V'Shalom, one of these don't happen even for one second, Kaputo. That's the Yudke in which all of existence is founded on. It, this is the very pinning, the very beginning working. But these two are two opposite forces. How do they work together? How do they keep continuously connected? And the answer is that you need to draw down the Ain Sof higher than the Yud and the Hay, which keeps them always together. When you're learning Torah, that's what you're doing. When a Yid learns Torah, Hashem learns Torah together with him. And what does it mean that Hashem learns Torah? Hashem is the Ain Sof. Hashem learns Torah means Hashem lowers himself down into the Yud. Just like you're lowering your nefesh into the Chachma, you're putting your nefesh into Chachma, the Abishter too takes his nefesh, his, his, the Ain Sof, and lowers himself down into Chachma. When the Ain Sof becomes present in Chachma, that's when Chachma connects to Bina. And that's why there has to be Torah study learned in the world 24-7, three, days a week, 365 days in the year, and every single moment of creation, there has to be Torah studied in the world. It can't be a split second, because without the Orin Sof dwelling in Chachma, which causes the Chachma to bend over into Bina, Without that happening, God forbid there wouldn't be no creation. And that's why it's called, if you learn Torah, you're making peace. You're causing these two total cosmic forces to unify together all the time. That a person studies Torah, he makes peace in the heavenly abode. The one that causes this ashpah. From the essence of the Ein Sof. To connect the Yudke, who are Yadeya Torah, that's to the Torah. And this is the meaning. Hashem says, if you're going to hold on to my strength, which is the Torah, you're going to make peace for me. What does it mean, peace for me? These two contradicting forces in the divine name, in Yudke, in Yudke Vavke, in the Yudke, for that to be peace. For them to work together. If we stop learning Torah, we cause a disfragmentation, a, 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 a fragmentation in the Abishter himself, in the name of God, as the two, as the as the, as the letters of Hashem are not perfectly synchronizing one with each other. This is Mamish peace for me. This is the Yudke, the Shemavaya, of the Shemavaya. And the reason is. Because Torah comes, the Torah comes from Chachma. And when a Yid is learning Torah, the Jew, here's the amazing thing, the Torah comes from Chachma. But the Jew is above the Torah. When the Jew is entering into the Torah, to study Torah, he's causing God to enter into the Torah. The Jewish Nisham is connected to the Ein Sof. The Torah is Chachma. And when the Yid is learning Torah, he's causing the descent, just like he is entering into Torah, causing the Ein Sof to enter into Chachma. And when the Ein Sof enters into Chachma, Chachma and Bina become friends that don't separate. They're, they're tight. 
They're together the whole time. Whoever learns Chumash, whoever learns Mishnah, Kodesh Baruch Hu, Hashem learns opposite him. And if so, Mamshech, the person draws down, that Hashem, which is the essence of the Ein Soif, Nimshach, he should be drawn, and he should enclose himself, in the Torah, the Mechach Menafkis, which emanates from Chachma. This means learning Torah simply. It says learning Torah for the right purpose, lishma for the right sake, without an ulterior motive. The deeper meaning: you're learning Torah for the sake of the Torah. You want to bring the soul of the Torah into the Torah, because without a yid learning Torah, the Torah is the Torah is lacking the ain't self inside of it. It's just Torah. It's chachma. It's chachma without God inside of it. It's the power of Hashem's chachma, but it's not the Abishter himself in it. Then what? The Torah does not, then the Chachma does not connect it with the Bina. But when a person learns Torah, Lishma, for the sake of the Torah, to bring the Ein Sof into the Torah, then he causes peace. Yasser Shalim Li. Lishema Torah Atzma, you're learning it for the sake of the Torah. Vigam, Lishma also means Lishem Hey. You take the word Lishma, Lishem Hey, for the sake of the Hey. Because by learning Torah, you're causing. The Chachma to feel the Ein Sof. When the Chachma feels the Ein Sof, it's not doing what it wants. And what does the Chachma want? Chachma wants to stay elusive. Chachma wants to stay unknown. When it has to explain things to Bina, Bina messes everything up. From the perspective of Chachma, Bina is a total loser. Because Bina is taking these infinite ideas and chopping it up in these little pieces. And you're losing, you're losing the light. You're losing the Ein Sof. You're losing the abstractness. You're losing the Chachma. Why would Chachma do that? But it knows that the will of the Abishter is that it should pour itself into things. So he loses himself down into Bina. So that's why it's Torah Lishma, shame Hay, for the sake of the Hay. To give, to give influence into the Hay. Yan Shayadei Zeh, through this, Nasechibur Oisiyas Yudkei. You get a chibur, an attachment of the letters yud shalom, And that's why the Torah is called peace. through learning What you're really doing when you're learning Torah is you're causing the yud to have a thorn on the top. Without that, there is, the, there is chachma, but it's without the upper thorn. Because Torah really emanates from chachma. But but really the Torah itself is rooted Torah is rooted in Kesser, but it needs a Jew to learn Torah for the Kesser element of Torah to be revealed. Because the 613 mitzvahs, together with the seven rabbinic commands, they're the crown. 620 pillars of light. Then just like a, a pillar that connects the roof with the, with the land, with the earth. Becomes an attachment. That Tamshacha should be drawn and it should be drawn down also below. Okay. We're going to take a little break. We're not going to finish the mimer today. We're just going to learn the Siv Beis. We're going to learn one more Siv, one more Perik, which is going to take another half an hour maybe, 40 minutes. And then we're going to finish the rest next week as we're going to complete it. All right, but now we'll take a break for...
Perik Beis, in Yena Shalom, Bepamal Yoshalmata, and the Shalom that is made. So that's just what Torah is. So Torah makes peace. So Torah is the opposite of Midian, because Midian wants to keep everything. If Chas for Shalom, there is a Midian, a Midian germ that would get into Chas for Shalom, Chas for Shalom, into the Yudke Vavke, it would be disastrous. It can't be there. That's. We said earlier, these are remnant, that's the Olam Atoyu, which kept things fragmented, which didn't allow for creation to happen. After, in, in Tikkun, because there is Bittl, which is coming from Moshe Rabbeinu, as we're going to see soon, because Moshe is the essence of Bittl, so uh, Moshe therefore gives us the Torah, you can have a harmony in the Yud Kevavke. In Yenah Shalom, Pamal Yoshalmata, and the peace that is in Pamal Yoshalmata, also peace. So you see, there's an upper peace and a lower peace. In the letters Vavke of Hashem's name. What kind of shalom do you need in the Vavke? We understand the Yudke are total opposites, but what are the Vavke? It's interesting, he's not going to explain so much, at least what I see so far, the shalom with the Vav and the He, but the shalom and the Vav itself. It says in the Pasuk, To you Hashem is greatness. And to you, Hashem is strength. And we know that greatness is chesed. And strength is, is gevura, right? Hashem shisha midas al yoynes, which are the seven midas, six midas. V'zeo b'chines ha-vav d'shem avaya. And that's the vav of Yudke Vavke. Now, v'hinei lu'uma zeh. Now, in the side of unholiness, there is also these emotions. Now, we, right? There is an unholy emotion of chesed, an unholy force of gevura in the world. Opposite, there's also seven impure midas. It's interesting that when he speaks about the Kedusha, he mentions six midas. Which is the Vav. Which is an interesting note. There are seven. In Kedusha, there's also seven. But when he's talking about the Vav, he's only mentioning the six. But when he talks in the negative and the impure side, he mentions over here seven, which is something that needs to... And the root and the source of where the klipa derives its energy. So even though earlier we said the klipa digas seven, they're rooted in Olam HaToyu, in the world of Toyu that have collapsed. That's true. But the Olam HaToyu only gives them their... Olam HaToyu only gives them their, 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 their nekuda, their point. In order for them to be makabal chayos, in order for them to receive energy, they have to receive it from Kedusha all the time. Because the fragmented pieces of Toyu give them just the essential makeup, their essential design, their essential essence of who they are. But their actual deriving of energy has to come from Kedusha. Where are they receiving it? So we would say, chesed of, of Kedusha, somehow through many ishtalshalos, gives energy to chesed of Klippa. Gevura of Kedusha through many ishtalshalos and gives energy, to, falls down and it's bottom, bottom, at the very end leaks chas v'shalom into Gevura and the Klippa and so is with all the Midas excuse me that's true but Be'ikr the main Yenika Sachitzainim the main force of where the Klippa receives their power is from the left side there is much greater leakage on the left than there is on the right side because the right side is all about revelation, godly revelation. And the right side is, Yumin is all chesed, revealing. Where God has revealed, Klippa can't come close. They're terrified of it, because it burns them. So on the left, where there's much more dinim, much more concealments, and much more blockages, Klippa has more chutzpah to go up higher to receive energy from. 
V'shoyrish yinikasam u'pchinas kavas moil. Their, their root of where their unique is is from the left side, the Kedusha of Holiness. What? Yeah, they need... And they're getting more from the left than they're getting from the right. Yeah. As it says in Zoyar, there is the right side, and there is the left side. The side of holiness. From the left side, from there is where it, it, it evolves and it comes down, the, the, the arriving of the chitzonim. Ikomoi, for example, Nahar Dinar, there is a river of fire, which we know is the river that ultimately, which the Malachim create, and that's from the sweat of the Malachim, and then it says it flows through the worlds, and it ends up in Gehenim, as becoming a massive fire, because it's, it's a river of fire, Dinar of fire. Nimshuch meziyasim shalchayas. Now, 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 zeya, perspiration, sweat. That's the that's the psolas of gevura. Where does where does sweat come from? It comes from heat. The body's heated up; it perspires. So you see, a heat is gevura. So you see that the gehenim is created from the and gehenim is a place full of of, of klipas, full of the punishment of gehenim is not gehenim is not a holy place of cleansing. Gehenim is a place swarming with forces of evil, forces of darkness. It's a horrible place. So where's it coming? It's coming primarily from the sweat, which is from the from the from the psoilus of the gevuras. So how do you fix that? So in order to in order to to stop klipa from being very strong in the world, from being, you have to sublimate the left side. The left side has to be weakened. How is the left side weakened? When the left side is subservient to the right side. When the left bends to the right and it allows the, lo- the right to dominate and it, it, it assists, it helps the right side, but it knows that the right is the master. And it keeps, uh, then, there is, there, then we're doing well. If the left is in charge, it's a problem. Like Baruch Hashem in the land of Israel, for instance, now, there's the Likud is in power, which is from the right, and at least something can get done. If you would have had the left in power, then we'd be in service. So when the left is to some degree subservient to the right, there is always a mile. The left has to be nichlal in the right. The entire Torah is, besides what we said earlier, Torah is unifying Yud and Hey, Torah is also here to unify the rights, the right side emotion and the left side of the emotion. Hashem's attribute of love and Hashem's attribute of judgment, that the judgment should be subservient to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the love, to the kindness. What does that mean? You should never have judgment um, exer- um, 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 active. The judgment should never execute judgment f- only for its own purposes. It's only when the right side tells it to execute. Judgment is needed, but it's only when it's coming from a sense of kindness. For example, you're disciplining your children and you're going to use judgment it's only when it's coming from, from love. If you're in touch with your love, you love your child, and then you're this. If you just get angry, your child gets you in the moment, and you give him a whack, that's not good. Because then, the, the, then you're, you're, you're exercising, you're executing judgment just for the sake of judgment, because you're angry. And there's never a benefit to that. The benefit is, if, you're pre-med, if you realize you're, you love your child, and you know that they need something fixed, 
And therefore, you have to discipline them. So the discipline itself is for the sake of building a deeper relationship and for rectifying something for the goodness of the child, not because you're angry. So the same is with all, and that's why we find that the entire Torah is based on this idea. There's lots of judgments in the Torah. There's punishments in the Torah, there's strictness, but it always has the intention of helping the person that is being punished. It's not for the, that's why in the Torah it's interesting. In the Torah there's no punishment of prison. No one is ever locked up. There's punishment, there's lashes, there's this, there's that, but not prison. Because prison doesn't help the person that gets thrown into prison. It helps the people in society. They got rid of this person. They're not going to harm others. But this guy is, is, is quite out of the country. Most criminals become bigger criminals in the prison. It's not, it's not rehabilitating them. It's the worst place for the person to go is to a place where he's going to go with people like him or worse than him, and they're going to corrupt him even more. So therefore, the Torah doesn't have that because that's not a tikkun for the person himself. That that was Korach's problem. He, the Korach is a lefty because he comes from the Levite family who are on the left. More disciplinary, disciplinary souls. Kohanim are more kind souls coming from the emanating from the realms of kindness. And the left side, the Leviim, have to be subservient to the Kohanim. They have to be the agents and the helpers for the Kohanim. But Korach didn't want that. He didn't want to be subservient to the Kohanim. He wanted the left should be on its own. The left should not be a, 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 a secondary to the right. He didn't want the left should be nichlal in the right. This is opposite of the foundation of Torah. It's a Torah of kindness. With all its punishments and with all its disciplinary elements, the Torah is still majority, mainly kind. V'zeu, and as we have it, Yemincha Hashem, your right side Hashem, Nedari is glorified bekoach with power. When your right side, which is chesed, is glorified with power, that means it, it includes within it the left. Then ayedezeh, Yemincha, your hand, Yemincha Hashem, Tiratayev crushes the enemy. Why? Now we understand why. Because when the left side becomes included in the right side, then it can't fa- then 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 then, then um, the the energy that's in it gets goes into the right. It doesn't remain on the left side. Then the clippers when they this one interesting the 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 the, uh, the, um, the other version of the mimer uh, the, of the altar rabbi doesn't say it so much over here. When the left side gets absorbed in the right side, it's subservient to the right. Then the energy of the left gets goes into the right side, and then the right side klipa can't get can't take from. So what? So they're still going up to take from the left, but the left is left is is left without any chayas. All that's left with is only pure harshness. So what they're nibbling on is pure harshness and pure pure death. There's nothing there for them anymore, the, the, because the energy of the left went into the right. So what's left is just the left side of pure judgments which destroys the klipa itself. It doesn't, so this kills the klipa when the left is included in the right. That's why Torah is always doing that, making the left side, um, and so we see that in what? We see that in all the punishments of the Torah, as we just mentioned. And there is never a punishment in the Torah which is meant to hurt. The punishment is always meant to rectify. Not so before the Torah was given. Before the Torah was given, there were punishments that came to the world that were not meant to help. It was meant to take, to revenge, to destroy, to punish. He says the, the punishment of the mabel. 
even though the Altareb explains how that too was a mikvah for the world. But that's a benefit for others, the people that are going to come later. The people themselves of the Mabal, they were destroyed, and it says they're not going to have Olam Haba, which means it wasn't meant to correct them, it was meant to destroy them. That's not like the punishments of the Torah. Every punishment, even the worst, even when they give capital punishment, the person is put to death, it says he's only put to death in this world, but he, but, but he gets, he goes to Olam Haba, like it said by Achan, when they punished Achan for taking from the spoils of, 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 uh, of Yerichai, um, it, uh, Yeshua said to him, Yakercha Hashem Hayoyim, you should be punished today, but, but you're going to go to Gan Eden, because this is a kapara for him. All the punishments of the Torah, even though they are gavuris, they're all nichlal in chesed. It brings a tikkun to the sinner. All the people who are chayiv excision. Shalaku, once they get malchus, nifteru their pater. That means that the malchus, the lashes, which is painful and hurtful, cleans them. And even when you say, okay, that's kares, but the person stays alive when he gets the malchus. Okay. But what happens if a person is put to death? There's no after that. They're already done. It's the biggest, it's the big, it's the ultimate punishment. No. Because they have an afterlife. It says, Hashem will punish you on this day. Only in this day you are. You are achor. Achor means achoriris. Um, you are um, murky. You're murked in this world. You're not murky in the world to come. You're going to be clean. It's to purify one's nefesh. The sin itself, which the Torah tells you not to do, that is pure evil. That doesn't have a tikkun. That's pure. Besides, I spoke on this Monday night here that even the possibility of sin is because ultimately it leads to a higher rally if we do tshuva. But the, state, the sin itself, that's pure evil. It's worse than death because death at least is going to lead you to Olam Haba. That Ra is worse than Mavis. Nimtza Ra Geruamina Mavis. Nimtza comes out Petoyrup Chenasmoila Iskalal Biyamina. That whenever there's a punishment and judgment in the Torah, it's meant that the left should be Nichlal in the right. Punishments that would be for Matan Torah. We're from pure Gevura. Like by the generation of the flood. Omar Azal, the sages say, they have no chilek, no portion in the world to come. Also the generation of the dispersion. The punishment was not for the sake of the tikkun of the nefesh of the sinner. This is real gevura, pure, unadulterated gevura, not fixed, not tempered with, not sweetened with chesed. Now, even there, the tachlis over there, since it's still coming from Olam Atikun, it's not Torah, but it was still, so there it was also a tachlis of chesed, but not for these very people. It was a chesed for other people. Tachlis on chesed, the world needed it. But you didn't have in every nekuda of gevura chesed. After Matan Torah, the chesed, the gevura became so blended into chesed that there isn't a point of judgment that is not saturated with kindness. And this that the left should be integrated in the right, that's called peace. Peace can be when the left side bends to the right side. And then you can have a harmony. You need the left, but you need it in its, 
in its in its in its submission. This is called peace in the lower abode. And this is the idea of that the gevuris are sweetened with the judgments. I had a question, I was just thinking about this, and I didn't think it through. It was just the first yichud, a pamalya shamayla, chachmem bina. The chachma is the power of tzimtzum, contraction, and the bina is the power of, contr- of opening, of expansion. In the next level, in Pamalia Shalmat, the chesed, which is like a, under the Chachma side, is the power of opening up, revealing. And the left side, Gevura, is the power of holding back, of contraction. So it's the it's vice, the, the, ro, the, the roles are flipped from the right side and the left side. Here, the Chachma is about concealing and holding back. But the emes is the Chachma is really revelation of light. And that's why you don't see the details, because you have the power of the light. And Bina finds the details and expands because the light gets dimmed in Bina. So really you could um, work with it and figure that out. But okay, it's for another time. Probably never, but okay. And this is also through the Torah. In the Torah you see, the Torah says, From his right side, he's something very beautiful in the Torah. It says, from his right hand came a fiery law. Now, what does it mean, a fiery law? Think about it. Living a life of Torah means full of restrictions. Full of times that you have to say, you have to, you have to, you have to discipline yourself. Torah is a very disciplined life. If you want to follow everything it says in the Torah, and the Shulchan Aruch, so you have to constantly say no to yourself. That's why it's a fire. It's fire is burnt. It, 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 it's Gevurim. But it's coming all from the right side. It's coming from Hashem's right hand. Why? And the and the fiery part is, is 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 subdued to the right. It's all about the right side. What does that mean? Chazal say it's a shchira agabe a shlevena, a black fire, which is a gvuradig fire, on top of a white fire. The whiteness represents the chesed that's underneath it. like you find in the Torah itself, anoichi is the root of all positive mitzvahs, and anoichi is chesed. Anoichi, I am revealing. Don't have any other gods besides me. It's a strict, it's a strict um, disciplinary kind of commandment. Here Hashem is saying, I am God, beautiful. Don't have them. And if you do them, I'm going to have vengeance, right? You find the gvura. Bechlal, mitzvah saseh is chesed. Mitzvah loisaseh is gvura. But which one is dominating over the two? Anoichi dominates over the, over the loyilcha. Anoichi loyilcha, shehem akar b'chenas chesed de gvura. And here he says something I, I, so beautiful. And I was thinking about it. This has such ramifications. All the diktukim of Torah, all the, all the rigidness, and all the, what we might say, um, the Torah being so, so uh, what's the right word for it? So um, detail-oriented and so, um, so strict. Hemchen is gevuris v'temtzumim. It's all gevuris. It's all power of discipline v'temtzumim and contractions. Shebekach v'kach dafka yuchshar, and it's so demanding that you know I worked so hard in doing it. It's not kosher. It's puzzle. You, you didn't follow mamish everything. Not kosher. I worked so hard on making this matzah, but no, no, you didn't follow all the blah, blah, blah. not a kosher matzah. I worked so hard on finding this esrik. You bring it to the rabbi. He looks at it. It's a puzzle. Say, come on, a little, be lighter, be a little kinder. Let it go, let it go. Why so strict? Vim puzzle, it's puzzle. So you're being so strict. 
says, Gevur am tachlis achesed. They're really all about chesed. Why? Because through this dafka, in these parameters, in these particular things, that's where there can be gilialakus. Because let's say, for instance, there can't be gilialakus, Hashem can't reveal himself where there is klipa. So you're being so strict in getting rid of all the klipa. I'll give a perfect example for that. Pesach. If to clean your house for chametz, you make good, it's such gavurindik. You have to fight and clean and scrub and scrub and scrub and work like I'm a sugar. But what is it all about? It's about you have the Seder and you have the Abishter come down himself, which, which would never be able to come if there's chametz in the house. So you have all this gavur. But what happens sadly is for most religious, for most from Yidin, people observant, is that they're into the, rigid, the rigidness of Yiddishkeit. And they go through all the motions, but they don't learn Hasidus to experience the Gilil that's in it. So you only get, you end up only with the Gevuris, and, and then you crack and you say, It's difficult to be a Yid. Because you're not, un, you're not undercovering the, the underlying Yemincha, the right, the underlying Yerushem's hand, that the Eishdas, the fire of the law, all that is supposed to be a fire on top of Hashem's infinite kindness in which he wants, he wants the love, he wants the experience, he wants the connection, he wants to fill you with his, with his energy. It's so sad when you end up with a Yiddishkeit that is only Gevuritzdeg and you don't have the, the, the beauty, the chesed, the light, the song in it. That's horrible. So, but you, it needs to be that way that the smile should be subservient to the left. But how do you bring these two facets together? How can right and left work together? If this is about kindness and this is about gevura, so how can the kindness use the very gevura to help it manifest itself? That's only from a power that's beyond chesed and gevura that enables the two to work together. Fire and water can work together when Hashem is present like by Barad. When the hail fell down, it was fire and water together because Hashem himself was there. Gili of the Orin Saif that can cause these two things to work together. So we say in Torah, when a person learns to him through Torah, the Hashem himself comes down and that unifies these, these, these opposites. This is what brings together the unification. Even though they on their own are two opposites, that the left becomes nullified to the becomes in, included in the right. That is always leaning to the side of Chesed. We know we're also in a court that there's so much elements that Hashem sets up that if you have one more in the court saying innocent, the guy is innocent. But if you have one more saying guilty, the guy is not guilty. You need to have two more saying guilty. So you see that there is a a greater leaning towards kindness than there is towards judge. And it says even more. It says if a, if a court judges a case and every single judge can only find guilt and no one can find innocence, the guy's off the hook. It's off the hook because something is wrong over here. If you can't find an element of chesed, then there is something wrong. The Orient Saif is not there. Something, yeah. And it says where Shimon Bayachai, for instance, it says that the higher the moichen, the godless one has, the greater the broader one's moichen are, they're able to find in worse scenarios, they're able to find the merit. Even in the worst things, they're able to find the positive. You see in the Rebbe that he can take the most extreme stories of like, you think it's like the worst of the worst, and he can always find the positive. Rabbi Shimon Bayachai said about himself 
Yachalani lifter as kolo oilam. I can exonerate the entire world. Dafka Reb Shimon Bayochai, who had such moch in the godless, was able to find in the worst sinner, he can find him an excuse. Get him off the hook. Why? Because that's the secret of the Orient Saif. Through the Orient Saif, you can find chesed and gevura, even in the extreme elements. V'zeu shalom yasali. Peace he makes to me through studying Torah, because you bring the Orient Saif down, and you cause a yichud between the yudkei, and then you cause a yichud in the vav itself, that the left is subservient to the... Now, what does that have to do with the vav k? L'chayret's vav itself. Because we know that even though the vav is chesed and gevura, the vav is primarily chesed, because it's masculine energy. The masculine side, the male side, is mainly chesed. Malchus is very judgmental. Malchus is built on gevura. Malchus is very, very gevuradic. When you cause the left to be bottled to the right, you also cause malchus to be subservient to the vav. And you unify vav and he, he and the vav together. They become unified with an absolute unity. Till they are totally one. And that's Kedusha. And that's through Torah. Midian, on the other hand, stands diametrically opposed to all of this. Midian is all about fragmentation, all about keeping things in thing without that unity. And that's why we have to fight against Midian. And now in Siv Gimel, which we're not learning today, he's going to explain how these two concepts, Shalom in the higher above abode, and Shalom in the lower abode, applies within the human experience as well. The higher abode represents making peace in the Chachma Bina in the person, and that is by creating a powerful balance within the person. Chachma, he's going to explain, we'll learn this next week, brings a person to Bittel Tashem. Your service to Hashem is totally about God. It's not about you. It's totally about Hashem. It brings you to humility. It brings you to be a big doer. It's all about the mind. The mind is, can, is objective. What, what needs to get done? What needs to happen? What's right? What's correct? It's not about self. The ego doesn't get involved. Problem is that you can't, you don't develop yourself with bittel. When you, all you have is bittel, you don't become, you, you need the bina, which is the hay, which is the heart. When you have Bina, when you have an understanding, then it creates within you feelings, emotions. It brings you into the picture. The problem is, and then you can develop yourself, you can become a more refined human being, because you love God, you love Hashem. Problem is, it can become totally about you, and you're lacking Bittal. You only do what I want, you learn, you daven, things that you want to do, but you don't have Bittal. So there needs to be a, a proper balance between the Moyach and the heart, between the Bittal of Chachma and the development of Bina, the fire of Bina, the water of Chachma, and the fire and the fire of the heart. The mind and the heart. And the mind, however, has to always dominate. The Yud has to dominate over the hay. And then you have a proper balance. Torah enables a person to be able to have a perfect balance of, of Bittal and also development. And the same is also in the, in the lower level, Pamal Yashamata, it's the unification of the Nefesh Alekis Midas and the Nefesh Bahamas Midas. The right and the left, over here he translates as the Nefesh Alekis Midas and Nefesh Bahamas, unifying them together. Then you have Yudke Vavke, that's in, there's inner harmony in the inner human being. Of course, this is related also to the inner harmony amongst the community and amongst people, where people get along with each other. As opposed to, um, as opposed to things being fragmented. But we're dealing over here with the unification and the harmonious
balance within a human being's own life, which is all an expression of the Yudke Vavke. We have perfect balance. And that's Tikkun, through Torah. Midyan was the opposite, and Midyan needs to be eradicated. Be'ez Hashem, we're going to finish Sif Gimel and Sif Dalit in next week's share. Maybe we're going to do part of the beer also if we have, if we have um, energy and space. Okay, everyone, have a wonderful week, and may Hashem help that the war against Midyan and Eretz Yisrael should be with tremendous success. Without Chas any... Push the, the stuff up.